This week's show is brought to you by Miracle Made. Alright, now you guys, Brad and Alex, you know I like a lot of things, but I'm going to reveal a little bit about myself here. I really like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm like, it's, oh, yeah. A, it's in my top three. Of it's a great I thing enjoy. to do. Wait, hang on. Eating, sleeping, and? Sleeping. Again. Okay. It's, All right. it's it's mostly sleeping, then eating, then sleeping Got again. Got it, yes. Got sleep, it. get up, eat, then you get back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. If I could eat while I'm sleeping, I would probably do that, too. Sleep, eat, sleep, repeat. Got it. Yes. And luckily for me, Miracle Made has sheets just for me. Because did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? And I'll tell you what I don't like, sleeping on a damn toilet seat. I would rather sleep in some nice sheets. I don't know, man. Have you tried it? Unfortunately, yes. And it's not my style. I won't ask you to elaborate. (laughs) Inspired by those punks at NASA, Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. It has self-cooling properties. The sheets that are infused with this silver prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets, and no more gross odors. Only the best odors in my sheets. You can go to trymiracle.com slash nextlander to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo nextlander at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to miracle.com slash nextlander and use the code nextlander to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash nextlander to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another extremely special edition of the Next Lander podcast. We... Every edition is a special edition, but some are more special than others. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Yes, Vinny. I'm not going to leave our guest hanging over decades plus of having guests on. Realize when we talk too long here, it's weird because like our other guests, we always invite professional people on who don't talk until they're introduced. Jordan Miner, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Very excited about this. To have you. I haven't seen you since we were in the office over at the, what building would you call that? Was it the CBS Interactive building? Was it a, what, 28th Street building? I just call it 28th Street. I was called 28th Street because we were definitely not working for CBS. That's true. That's true. (laughs) Listen, we were all working for CBS, okay? You just didn't know it. Uh, Yeah, you are above us. Jordan Miner, you are here because you are author of Video Game of the Year, and I love this subtitle, A Year-by-Year Guide to the Best, Boldest, and Most Bizarre Games from Every Year Since 1977, which is just, we'll talk about why on earth you would take on that task. Uh, You are also a senior analyst at PCMag.com. What's a senior analyst? 
I'm a writer. I write. About, I'm on the apps <laughs> and gaming team. Okay. So I write about games. I write about Netflix and dating apps and you're meal analyzing kits at some you're, point. Yes, you're mm-hmm. analyzing games. Uh, so yeah, you were you were in the same building as us. Uh, you uh, definitely heard us uh, because I feel like when I would see you outside, you would know exactly when we had podcasted, or especially when Alex had been doing a rock band marathon. Yeah, there was a hole in the floor, <laughs> the the sound hole we would call it, and we could hear. You know, it really helped me feel like more that I was making it in this industry of like, wow, I'm so close to the action. Of, you were basically uh, a guest yeah. on, on, on all the podcasts. Now, now was was this an intentional hole? Was this a regulation? Was this hole to code, or was this like not supposed to be their kind of hole? It looked like the remnants of a pipe, maybe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it was okay. First of all, I think it's kind of funny, and I know I've talked to you about this before, but like half funny, half people are trying to do work. Where where was the sound hole for you guys? It was just in the middle of our like rows of benches and desks. Which- is terrifying thinking back to the amount of conversations we used to have in that podcast room that were like, okay, shut the door. Uh, we're going to have some conversations knowing that basically all of that was just floating upstairs. I mean, we, we, we knew all tried- our dark secrets, man. We it wasn't that clear. Ha- it was all. It was all just sort of the vague shape of your voices. A, lo- a lot of mumbled ho- hollering, just sort of like yeah. muffled. Okay. We also had to be careful because we were in paper thin walls on either side of us anyway, and there was a conference room to one side and another podcast studio to the other side. So we tried to be aware there as well. But uh, great to see you again. I mean, it's probably been three years, four years, more than that. Oh yeah, because okay. yeah, because we moved into the the Mashable building in like 2018. Okay, okay, so. And yeah, so it was probably in the happened. elevator sometime shortly before that was like the last time I actually saw you in person. Because that was the one time we were, we were in the elevator and then we were all, a bunch of us from the office got in the elevator and we just crowded the elevator <laughs> mm-hmm. and we were all like, oh, like it stopped on the next floor. It's like, oh, too bad for this person trying to get in the elevator. And then it was you and we all knew who you were <laughs> and we all just started laughing. <laughs> and it's like... I think I remember that. The context of why we were all laughing. (laughs) Let me just put it this way: I still remember that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Long memories. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jordan, we got a lot to talk about here because there have been uh, a couple of releases since 1977. So you've got this book out. Came out in in July. Uh, Yes, July 11th. It came out. Oh, you're holding it up like people can Mm -hmm. see it. I've got it right back (laughs) here. You've That's been true. on this book tour a while, huh? Like, uh, like people could actually we hold this see up it. for everyone listening at home. Uh-huh. There's such good artwork in yeah. it too. It is, uh, and you've got the rack behind you. I love it. It's like you are fully prepared, mm-hmm. which is amazing. Um, so, it came out in July. Yes, July 11th. So we got 300 ish, a uh, little, little fewer than 300 pages of video game knowledge. Not just you. You have a bunch of guests in there. Um, I guess I'll just start with the easy stuff. What's your favorite video game? Of all time, <laughs> my fa- my favorite game of all time is yeah. probably StarCraft. Um, okay, uh-huh. now you're speaking brand okay. language yeah. here. All right, I love StarCraft. Um, one, right? Is that the whole thing? But yeah, we're t- okay. Talking okay. About the first one. I mean, the um, whole thing is not a lot of things. To be fair, <laughs> um, but it's funny because StarCraft doesn't get a main chapter in the book. Um, which speaking, that was, to my, I noticed my, that. I did. Yeah. I did note that. I will say, as somebody who has been covering games a long time and doing an inadvisable number of games of the year myself. 1998 is the first year I went straight to in this book. Like I mm-hmm. went to the table contents mm-hmm. and I was like, all right, all right, what's the pick for 98? I've got to know. It's like probably still the mo- most momentous year in video games and Starcraft did not make the cut. No, but it gets the runner up pick. So it's better yes. than yeah. Half-Life. 
Yes. And so you also, I should mention, uh, Dan Reichert does the forward to the book and uh, 1998's pick, Metal Gear Solid. Now, I'm not saying there is any kind of uh, horse trading going on here or uh, any kind of influence, but interesting choice. I mean, I could see it. I could see it. So each yeah. each, uh, each year in your book has a subcategory, which I assume, like any good game of the year, was made up after the game was picked <laughs> because 1998's, uh, the category, I should say, 1998's category is basically Hideo Kojima Game of the Year, which winds up being Metal Gear Solid. A lot of runners up for that one. Um, so was it hard? I mean, 98's probably the hardest one I can think of, too. Yeah. Uh, so with the book in general, I wasn't necessarily always trying to pick what I thought was the best game of that year. Uh-huh. Um, the book is really like a, just trying to be a video game history book overall. So I try to pick games that collectively I thought could hit the widest variety of topics that I wanted to talk about. Um, not to get like too redundant with anything. Um, so that was, you know, so I, I didn't have to think like, oh, this is the best game you know, completely. It's like, this is just the game I want to talk about that could talk about the topic I want to touch on. So that kind of made it easier, I think. Well, I think yeah, like, in the, like in that case, like Metal Gear Solid, it's very much like the cinematic transformation of games, right? It's like, you totally. know, I, I could look at that and say like, oh, like maybe Ocarina is like the actual best game or the most like mechanically significant. But like in terms of pushing the medium forward, it's hard to argue that Metal Gear Solid is not the pick. Right. And there's already, you know, there's already another Zelda chapter. So I could talk about right. Zelda somewhere else. So, yeah. And yeah. also, yeah, yeah I mean, actually, I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, too, all the games were chosen before even the writing was happening. Um, it's part of the whole uh, publishing behind the scenes with nonfiction. You can sell the book before you've written it. So <laughs> ah. they um, they just want, you know, a proposal and like a, like a detailed like they want to know all the games that will be in it. So I just had to hear here's my list and here's sort of my like thesis for a chapter. But OK. And, Okay, yeah, so you basically had the 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 skeleton of it, and then mm-hmm. kind of went in and kind of again, like any good game of the year, you justify it after the fact in the kind of mm-hmm. uh, artist statement and the debate in your in your forward. I feel like you go into a lot of the inspiration and kind of <laughs> what a game of the year means for you. It's a chance to kind of look at uh, these games that are seminal releases or, or important for some reason, and then you go into. But really, people just like to argue about what their game is uh which when i first started skimming through this book i went into cold sweats thinking about my goodness how many times have we talked about what would be the games of all time or what are the you know games of the decade and it's an impossible task and how would you cut this and how could you even argue for that and you know rock band does make this list and the number of times we've had just off the cuff discussions about like wow, Rock Band probably has to be in there somewhere, right? Because it's a it's a musical experience. But how about Guitar Hero? Is that the one that makes the cut? And how long did it take you to make this list? Uh, it was a few months. You know, book, book, book speeds is not like internet speed. Um, you have a lot more time to just think about something and work on it. Um, it being only one game per year was also useful in like forcing interesting decisions in that it couldn't just all be all 80s games or whatever it's like mm-hmm. i had to be like only one game per year so it really kind of narrowed the pool um and yeah you know i just the the, the challenge of it was was interesting and the, the idea that at the end it would be a physical book that can just exist now um was also very motivating only does, one does the, does the like kind of piecemeal ma- nature of it like okay so like when i think about like what it would take to write a book it seems mm-hmm. so enormous in my mind it's like i forget it i could not even begin to tackle that task but like 
each year being its own little compartment. Like, that make it easier to just be like, ah, oh, you know, like, I'm sick of the 90s. Like, I'm going to go think about 1979 today or what, you know what I mean? It's like you could, I, I, I would guess you could like break it up into smaller tasks in a way that made it more approachable. Yeah, they are like big reviews in a sense. It's all kind of big retrospective reviews. Um, although I did end up writing it pretty much in order. Um, Cause I figured, yeah, I, d- I didn't want to be in a situation where I only do this stuff I'm interested in. And then at the very end of the writing process, it's all this stuff I've been putting off to the end. Well, I'm already kind of burnt out from writing. Um, and that also kind of helped me keep a pretty like, uh, like a, like a through line, I guess, where I could see like where I already knew what I ri- written before and how that could maybe, uh, impact further chapters. Like, I think, I think readers can read it in any order they want, but I think if they do read it in order, they will see like some stuff from the beginning kind of reappear at the end. And that's how I tried to, that's how I tried to write it. And you also gave yourself a nice little, uh, escape hatch there where if you, when you do settle on something for a year you, with each year, you also like, it's like, well, here's another <laughs> game. I just want to talk about that usually is not the exact same sort of thing that the game that you picked for the year was. It usually is something else. It sounds, at least from the ones I read, it sounded more like these are just like personal things that you really loved from those years. Yeah, to get more games in there um, and to just kind of also break up the reading experience. Mm-hmm. Of like, all right, you wrote, you read this whole long thing and now here's a, you know, a short thing before you get to the next one. Um, yeah, I just wanted the book to be as, as comprehensive as possible. So part of that was just is getting as many games as I could in there. There are only a few of them out there. I mean, we're only talking since the 70s. So, I mean, there's really not that many to go through. Uh, are you, do you feel like as you're going through this, do you feel like you had to go back and revisit, especially stuff from the 70s? I mean, 78, 79. Are you like, I have, I should go back and spend a lot of time with Speed Freak? That's that's a good one to pick, actually, because that's the one I didn't get to, I didn't play that. Um, Who's that was played more, Speed Freak? That was more just <laughs> through. That was just one that was just interesting to find just through research um, mm-hmm. and to kind of talk about just like racing games and how they're used in, for like showing off like new graphics tech, like since the beginning, it mm-hmm. turns out. Um, but if anything, the older games were kind of easier to write about in that we've had so much time to see how important and influential they've been. Whereas with modern games, we're kind of guessing what is going to end up being important later. Yeah, I mean, there's yeah. there's parts in there, like, when you're talking about Donkey Kong, for instance, where, like, I start reading, and I'm like, the, the the degree of importance you were replying to this, I my immediate reaction is, it's fucking Donkey Kong, really? And then as I'm reading it, I'm like, actually, yes, you are making a very salient point here about the number of ways in which Donkey Kong has extended out into everything that is video games now. So, you know what? You're right. Cool. Another satisfied customer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, I mean, it's obviously very interesting to see why the pick is on there and then to, you know, so there's a little bit of, you know, justification for why your pick is wrong uh, in in, mm-hmm. a, in some cases here. Uh, I, you know, it's hard to argue with this list of games, especially the ones I'm familiar with. I picked that Speed Freak because it was the one that I was I had to go read and be like, I, I have never seen Speed Freak. I've seen no Speed Freak before. I, okay. I've only played it like maybe once ever, but I've seen yeah, it. I mean, you're... You're from Sonoma County, right? Yeah. Of course you've seen yeah. Speed Freaks. <laughs> well, that's fair, yes. I, I will say, I'm curious, what has been the most controversial pick so far? Because I know what mine is. Oh, uh, Spore has been a big one. Really? One okay. I've been justifying a lot. Because um, that's okay. one where it's not the best game of any year, I would say. <laughs> yeah. But it, I think which is an interesting kind of lens to talk about gaming, like hype culture and oh, totally. impossible, impossible expectations and how you see that in, in, into like crowdfunded games and Peter Molyneux games and, you know, games that launch kind of bad, but then have to then like 
years after the fact work to get to what they were initially promising at launch. So. I mean, that is a huge facet of gaming, you know, especially from that era was, you know, big marquee designers over promising on things that just could not quite be done. Yeah, also, like your your subtitle for Spore in this, I think, illustrates that game of the year as a phrase can have a very broad meaning Mm -hmm. that, like, like you said, does not have to mean best game of the year. Like you refer to it as the pipe dream of the year, which I guess it probably was. So, yeah, like it's important, maybe not for the most flattering reason. Right, yeah. So I didn't want the book to be entirely fawning. I wanted to be yeah. like I wanted to be like um like arts criticism in a way. Yeah. So my Spore, Spore is this depressing. Do you remember, does anybody remember Dark Spore? Yes. Yeah. The follow up to I that. Think that's where, in the book. Like, like, yeah, so like it's kind of this depressing commentary of like Spore was this huge ambitious idea that completely didn't pan out. Then they just turned it into Diablo. <laughs> like they just turned it into a video game and that was way more popular. Yeah. Tragic. They're mu- Muppets looking creatures. Yep. <laughs> Uh, the one I was going to say was controversial to me was you managed to get Mario Kart 64 in there. And while I understand that, you know, hey, there's always, you know, uh, there, everyone's Mario Kart favorite is different. It's just I remember a lot of people really despising that game. And I think it is bold to go to bat for that one. That's not my favorite Mario Kart by any means. Yeah. Um, I think it was just a good one to put in conversation with Mario 64 um, and just, you know, with the four player and 64 stuff. Totally. But, <laughs> but yeah, I hate that sprites. Just make a, just put a model in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I never liked that. <laughs> a very, it was a very awkward time for yeah. video yeah. game graphics. So not only are you in here, you've got a bunch of other people in here sharing their thoughts uh, on Game of the Year. Was it hard to get people to contribute or are uh, people you approach being like, hell yeah, I can tell you my favorite game? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of people whose entire careers have been online were exa- <laughs> very excited to be in a book. Um, I know I was. Yes, thank you. I absolutely um, was. And I don't think I've ever been in a book before. So that was nice. It was, I, I assume you didn't just invite me because of the elevator thing, right? No, no. <laughs> just wanted no. to make sure. Elevator time. Yeah. I, I, was, I was saying before that this book was a really cool opportunity to manifest all of my parasocial relationships. Hell of, yeah. Of writers and people I'd been fans of for years and years and listened to for hours and hours to be like, hey, like, be in this with me. <laughs> Did you did when you reached out to people? Did you ask them? Did you give them a year or a frame, like a, a like a time frame, or did you just ask them like, "Hey, do you have a game from the last decade that's your favorite?" Or so I wanted to give the writers as much freedom as possible. I, I think that would lead to the most interesting writing if people would just pick whatever they were passionate about. Um, so I just said, "Hey, like as long I gave them a list of what had already been picked from other people. Okay. Um, I gave them some like examples of how, like I gave an example of one that was a bit more straightforward, and then one that was a little bit more like like a personal anecdote." That's kind of like two different uh, tracks they could take. Um, but beyond that, I wanted people to have a, a ton of freedom. And I think that really paid off with the variety of stuff that I got. I mean, you let me write about an N64 wrestling game. So I would call that total freedom. <laughs> and that's good because I wanted the, the contributor blurbs to balance out my own takes and biases in that I resent how much I know about wrestling from being a games writer. Totally. Um, <laughs> but that should be in the book somewhere. It's not going to be from me. So I'm really happy that you picked that because you you gave me a, a few options. Yes, and that I did. Was one, I get that was one that I picked. Um, yeah. So some people did that. Some people presented me some options, and then I would pick one. Kind of that was a bit of curation, but beyond that, wide open canvas. It's fun. It's it's cool to be bop around and see like kind of read this, you know, essay on why a game is super important, and then just hear somebody's uh, kind of love letter to a game, just be like. Hey, I was six and I love this game or whatever it was, you know, like, you know, um, and not be like, because it's so important to gaming history, be like, no, because it's, 
the thing I played and it was awesome. You know, yeah. like, I, f- I feel like for me, there's two sides of a game of the year. There's the academic side, which is kind of your essay style thing of like, this is why this game is important. It's why it has this big long write up. And then there's the thing that's just like, no, it's because I got this game for Christmas and it was the only game I had. And that's why it's the best game of, you know, 1996. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a problem we always have with every game of the year discussion, which is like, at least for work wise would be like, okay, yes, this is probably the game of the year because it's a very good game and it's well done. It's important to gaming history, but I had the most fun with this other game, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know? And then when you have the group dynamic, kind of like Brad said before, when you have the group dynamic, you have to start balancing all of those versus just being like, it's my personal game of the year list. And I think it's a bit of why we've segued into next Landers game of the year stuff of just being like, Let's just talk about what we liked and not just try to chill have, about it. Yeah. The consensus thing. Like, could you imagine Jordan doing this book in a committee? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but no, I, I, I need, <laughs> it needed me just to be like, this is it. These are the picks. And well, then that's you're the, all kind of corned off in your own little area. But yeah, that's the question then is that, can you truly call this a game of the year discussion? If you weren't beating someone's ass over their picks for stuff, like if you weren't <laughs> just straight up, like getting into fisticuffs over the choices. It ends up being kind of more accidental passive aggression. Um, mm-hmm. in, in, um, I hate Souls games. I don't like any of those games. Um, but I picked Sekiro because that's the one I probably played the most before Elden Ring. And it's important. I mean, that Souls games are worth talking about. Totally. That chapter, ta- that chapter talks about why I don't like them. Um, but then, uh, you know, Tamor from GameSpot and Scott Benson, uh, they wrote about Bloodborne and Demon Souls and why they love them. And those are great. That's also some of the best writing in the book. So you get to have that conversation. Uh, I I got to give it up for the artist in this book, I, whose name I don't have in front of me. Ren right McDonald. Okay, um, the, their their ability. I mean, all the, the art has like a really great like playful style to it, but their specifically their ability to capture like in game graphics and is this illustration? I guess is the style. I'd say like I don't know, I mean, a third to maybe a half of the illustrations have like you know a screen in them, like a computer monitor or a TV, so they they are actually illustrating like the game itself in graphical form on a on a, on a screen, and their ability to capture the kind of essential look of each of these games from like halo to some city to sonic the hedgehog like all these illustrations of these video games like here's counter-strike like are so spot on at evoking the look of those games it's really just fantastic work yeah ren's great um i actually met him for the first time a few weeks ago uh uh, yeah so that the publisher actually the publisher kind of presented me with a a list of options for illustrators and then ren was my top pick and so I i was really glad we were able to get him um and then he kind of did some like sample art and kind of presented some different like directions he could take it. And we ended up picking like doing a mix of both a mix of here's like a scene. Here's like these characters in the game. And then here's like people playing the game. So we could also get like those period details and like seeing what the consoles look like as well. Um, But yeah, I love Ren's art. And I think it did a really good job too. Uh, what, What we were going for was also having a style that would make as much sense for a Pong illustration as it would for like a Witcher three illustration. So yeah, Ren, Ren knocked it out of the park. Um, it's stunning. Yeah, I think it's successful. Yeah. Like, uh, it definitely, I think that's a good point. Like, it works across 30 plus 40 years of games, right? Um, you have Destiny on here. Mm-hmm. Destiny was the very first chapter written for the book. That was the really? Sample, that was the sample chapter written to, for, as part of the proposal. Another game I don't really like. Wait, that you don't really like? I don't like Destiny that much, no. Okay. I haven't read the chapter on Destiny. Uh do you like Destiny Two? Nope. Okay. Just Don't like either. Into, nope. Do you like Do you like uh, loot shooters? 
I just don't really like games of service as a as a whole. Oh my gosh! Is, is what my do you thing. do? Hey, where are you gonna go? How come to this? <laughs> let's all get on a, an island together and cut the internet. How do you survive in the in the twenty twenty three gaming age? Everything's I, gonna check your account. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I get to be I'm just fortunate enough to be someone who writes about games for a living, so I get codes for games <laughs> I can just beat, so I don't have to worry about spending money on a new game every month. <laughs> Uh, I, I was just having this discussion, maybe in the last podcast or so, where, um, you know, my kids now get presented with gates every time they want to play a game that I've downloaded. Be like, oh, I got to enter your Capcom account or your your uh, your um, uh, BattleNet account or this, and I'm like, I'm not make. I'm sorry, dude, I'm not making you a BattleNet account. You're 11, you don't need one. And then he can't play. He can't try Diablo, right? Because everything is a, a service. Games a service, which kind of sucks in in a way because you can't just it's not like the same thing where you can pull a book off a shelf or pull a uh, an album off a shelf or even listen to your dad's or your parents music it's like i have to i have this no, i have another barrier to entry to get into this game which just kind of stinks i very particular weird case of kids can't play your your the old man's games but um kind of interesting i don't mind the cross save stuff though if we're talking that there, part of there are benefits out there yeah, it just sure. you know unfortunately i think the negatives sometimes outweigh the benefits and i'm actually yeah. curious jordan having done this research now and having gone through all this where do you think video games went wrong <laughs> what's the year pinpoint it for me um yeah um yeah i didn't I'm, see that one on here yeah. like the, the the year where it went wrong where did it all fall apart <laughs> um uncharted 2 no um I mean, there is a sort of a theme of like games preservation too in the book of mm-hmm. that to, to play a lot of these today would be difficult. Like legally is more difficult than it should be. Mm. Um, so that, that's kind of another goal of the book of, well, if you can't play all these necessarily, at least you can read about them. You can at learn about like them. A, yeah. There's an, there's an archive that they exist. Um, but I don't know. Games are better than ever. There's so many good yeah. games this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm just roasted a little bit. But like, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like you can track the trends through the book and you can track sort of the evolution. But I think, you know, as much as I grouse about a lot of things like, say, live services and other things in video games, you're right. There, there, There's never been a better time to play video games, I've been told multiple times by a certain mm-hmm. person on this podcast. I mean, it's, yeah. it's true. I mean. If you can't legally play it, they will sell it to you again in some collector's edition where you or can they won't. Play it. The, like they, they I can't I, make money. I can't. I can't help wondering if there was a small a nuggle, a nugget of truth to your Uncharted Two answer, though. <laughs> the moment the blockbusters took over, the kinda, Sony blockbuster of the year, kind of, kind of uh, as a strong advocate for that game as game of the year in two thousand nine. I look back on it now and I'm like, I don't know if that was like. It's very exciting at the time, but in retrospect, that maybe was not. I think but it, I think was the right lens of talking about how Sony's whole AAA game making process, even as it is today. I think that's where it starts. Is that game? Yes, totally, for mm-hmm. sure, for sure. And now it's like kind of the only thing they make as a first party company anymore is these just big giant action blockbusters. Great, yeah. Uh, yeah, Fortnite on here. Yep, that, that had to be. Yep, I'm trying to make a book that sells to a mainstream audience. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I mean, if you're I mean, talking no, about like yes. like in terms of impact, like Fortnite is absolutely the one of you know what was it 2015 when that came out 20, 2017, 2017. For, the, for the battle royale part, right? Of it. Yeah, like that the that the tale of that game is still being felt. Like we are still dealing with the fat the aftermath of that game becoming video game McDonald's. Like it's fucking everywhere. So how could you not put it in there? People yeah. get mad that I put it in there, though. So really, yeah, 
I don't understand I, uh, that. That's I mean, I, I maybe deserve this, but I went to a game spot or a game stop. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's okay. It's been happening very, my whole life. <laughs> um, and very casually showed off the book. And I was like, oh, look at me. I got this book here. You're gamers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. And then they're like, Fortnite, what is this? Blah, blah, blah. So it's a casual book. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, if if you're trying to capture the most important game that came out that year, I mean, not to, not to say that that was your only criterion for the stuff, but like, there is no other choice that year. People just see a list yeah. and they get mad when it's not the thing they yeah. pick on a list. So, and again, I, that's why it's a bold choice to call this video game of the year because uh-huh. you are inviting in a level of scrutiny and anger that is, uh, you can't stop it. That 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 is an interesting one though because I went back and looked at the history of. Fortnite and PUBG in 2017 and like the PUBG early access release to the Fortnite Battle <laughs> Royale mode coming out is like way shorter of a time span than I think most people remember. At yeah, like point, four months. Least, yeah, it was, yeah, it was it very was, short. Yeah, it was, it was like barely enough time for PUBG to blow up and then for the, then for them to implement that idea. Right. Like they were very close together. So or pivot. Let's say you talk about PUBG in the in the write up for it, which is, you know, uh, are you do you have a, a were you a PUBG player? Nope. No, nope. again, we, live service you, online game. Yeah, <laughs> that whole thing, that whole thing blowing up like blind okay. boxes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It was. I feel like it became way more. I mean, everything becomes rotten with live service if it's successful for long enough, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah my, my whole problem more more about Royale was the whole. I felt I didn't like the whole. I kind of respected it, like the whole pace of oh, there's a lot of nothing, and then kind of these bursts of excitement. Mm-hmm. But I just I just kind of bounced off that kind of pacing i guess so uh um, tell me uh so when start when you play starcraft you, is, is it just uh you're not the turtle up and then build like uh a lot of nothing and then big bursts of because that's how i play an rts game which is build for 45 minutes and then throw everything i have at uh, the other player you're a rush uh, player aren't you you are well i play protoss okay uh, yeah. usually so i feel like that's less effective there um you say usually. Are you st- are you still playing StarCraft? Are you playing StarCraft no. 2 right now? No, not really. No. <laughs> no. Okay. My, you can tell because my eyes aren't... This is in the book. When I, when I play StarCraft, my eyes would like get really bloodshot. Just wouldn't um, blink? Exactly. Oh, so then when amazing. Star... So like back even in the beginning. So when StarCraft 2 elicited that same feeling, like launch day, it's like, all right, we're back. We're back in it. Wasn't there... Was, we were just talking about StarCraft. Brad, was it because rumors were circulating? Some, some loose rumor going around that StarCraft 3 is in pre-production or something, which I'm not 100% sure, I believe, but that's what the rumor mill says. Would you be there for it, Jordan? StarCraft 3 drops, you ready to go? Yes, because I'm very pro-StarCraft and very anti-MOBA, um, so we could correct history on that. <laughs> you want the pendulum to start swinging the other way? Yes. I'm with Although you. Dota's in the book. Dota is in the book. Yeah, fair. Having, having crossover myself, that's probably the right position. <laughs> uh, Jordan, anything else you want to you talk about in terms of that we missed uh, that is not specifically us just kind of reminiscing about Game of the Year times? Uh, because I feel like that's where that's where you're going to get with a bunch of old game journalists is just like, back in my day, Game of the Year... I mean, that's kind of what the book invites, right? It's about, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's nostalgic. It's this whole history trip. Um, I mean, talk about the art. I love the art. Um, again, um, I'm really proud of my own writing, but I think with all the guest writing in it, um, that really takes it up to like a really great definitive. Like, I think it's like a top tier book about video games. Um, trying not to be super narcissistic with that. But. No, it's they, no, by all <laughs> means, you know, you're here to promote, man. Like, you know, sell the damn thing. You're saying it's book <laughs> of the year for game of the year. Oh, for this year, yeah. Um, yeah. 
for this year. <laughs> what would you say your other vi- like what what is another favorite video game book of yours? What's another top tier one that you've enjoyed? Uh, I mean, Jason Schreier's books are great. Um, he's in the book as well, so that was mm-hmm. cool. Um, Alexis Ned, who's in the book, she wrote a um, a young adult romance novel about esports players called "Don't Hate the Player," mm-hmm. and it's very good. Um, the Boss Fight book series um, is a cool series that people don't know what that what that is. Um, kind of individual, kind of short individual books about one game, kind of like um, Thirty Three and a Third. I think okay. is the music. Um, so that's a great series. Um, I still need to read that Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow book. That's all about game developers, I guess. And it's like a great piece of fiction, apparently. Um, I, I still need to read that. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's, there's, tons, there's, tons of, you know, there's tons of great books. If you put down the controller. Mm-hmm. Never. Read some damn words. Me. How am I going to get my battle pass, man? If I'm, if, I'm reading, if I'm reading books. Barnes & Noble battle pass. <laughs> That's right. I'm sure Barnes and Noble had some kind of customer loyalty thing. You know they did. They were just like, you know, get enough books, stamp it, and then you get some free cape uh that you can wear in Barnes and Noble. Uh I like I think the the art and the the color really pops on this thing. Um yeah. it's extremely vivid. Like it's uh did you talk about the layout and stuff of it as you were going through it? Uh, that was more the publisher just showing me. I just trusted them because um, Abrams, their specialty is they do a lot of art books and coffee table books, and um, so they're just they have a really good just team for the kind of the visual element that we thought would be a great match. Um, so yeah, that was them just showing me stuff. I'm like looks good. I couldn't I couldn't do this, so so great. <laughs> and if you so in terms of people buying the book, um, mm-hmm. what's the best way for folks to get you the the most money? The most when they book. Buy the book. Yes. Um, I think people should just. Buy, I think people should buy the physical paperback if they can, if only because I think the art just looks better that way. Um, I mean, yeah, you know, any version you buy, I appreciate. You get it on Kindle, and that's that's a great option too. But I think I want as many physical versions of it just to exist across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, is is my desire. Um, you know, you can support an independent bookshop. Uh, that's probably a cool thing to do. What's that? What's uh, I've never heard of that before. What's an inpe- independent bookshop? Is what you said. Uh, bookshop dot org is a pretty okay. good uh, like umbrella service for that. Um, Astoria Bookshop in New York here nice. has good sign mm-hmm. has it. signed has a bunch of signed copies from me. Um, and you can order the signed copies online, I think. Um, but yeah, what's you know we get from your your library. I think I think even when people check it out of the library, there's some sort of cut there too. Um, I'm gonna go check and make sure my library has a copy. That's a good point. I was just at my hometown library this past weekend doing yeah. an event. So and did they South have it Jersey. on the shelf or did you have to like? It be was like, checked you? out by the time I got there. It was already checked <laughs> out. Sweet, pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. I will say this. my I was back in California the week it came out, and my lo- local like there's three stores chain bookstore had it so you know distributions out there you can find it yes that's awesome uh, and something i've been saying too like a big inspiration for it has been you know like the way that giant bomb would do the guest game of the year list stuff where it's more about the the discussion of the game than mm-hmm. even like what is correct or not and having this variety of voices so that was that was definitely a big inspiration it's, to, the, to the audience listening to this that knows i'm sure he knows what that is yeah, looking no, through it, it's, their memory. it's terrific company to be in, I will say. I, I remember second-guessing myself a lot as I would look at the guest lists coming in, because it's like, man, these picks are like <laughs> way right. broader and arguably more interesting than the like very mainstream stuff that we're fixated on for hours. Um, so you, you, have a, you have a little bit of a, kind of a, a, a post here, uh, or an epilogue of looking forward. Um, we are a little more than halfway into 2023. Your your book kind of officially ends in, in 2022. 
what do you think? What's game of the year this year? What? what I mean, not not the best game, but like what is the what is the pick if you had to write the chapter? I think I would probably still pick Zelda. Um, to one rectify not being able to pick Breath of the Wild for 2017 because mm. of Fortnite. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I just I just love that game, and I wanted I wanted an opportunity to talk about it. And I think I I kind of ended up writing what I think that chapter would be uh, on PC Mag. Uh, the the way that that game even even more so than Breath of the Wild really draws upon Nintendo's like toy making sensibilities was like you know I mean the Ultra Hand like being named after an old Nintendo toy and just the 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 all the 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 vehicle combination you know just the playfulness of that game mm-hmm. um, I think is really interesting um, you know also bolted onto still kind of Nintendo's attempt at like a triple A game like a big open world action RPG thing um, but with all these playful elements that only they are really doing i think is an interesting mix um i think is it'd be something i would probably talk about in the book if it got pushed back when the second edition comes around yeah i was, I was just gonna ask yes. now that you've now that you've gone through this whole process do you think could you could you see yourself filling the poll to come back and do like a second even third edition down the line of just like well another five to eight ten years have passed uh that would be cool um i'm working on some other things i won't talk about hmm. um you don't but, want to give us a hot hot exclusive or anything? Worst games of the year that we're talking about the things that destroyed the industry. <laughs> I hate could, this could, game. <laughs> a whole a whole book of negativity would be too much. It'd be a bad it would be a bad headspace to be in for a year. Because you know, the bulk of the writing for this book was done like two years ago. So I'd have to be uh-huh. just thinking about you know, talking crap on games for like two years. That's what games journalism. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, what are you talking about? <laughs> at we, least live in it. At least when Roger Ebert did his book of terrible reviews, those reviews were already written. He didn't have to redo them again and spend a year just like floating in the worst movies of all time. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to also uh, having like, a, you know, a legal team check the book was an interesting mm-hmm. process too. So I think it would be when you're saying less than, you know, glowing things about a game too. Sure. Be a okay. lot more rigorous fact checking. Did um did your editor like were they pretty knowledgeable about games? Did they come back often and be like, "What is this word? You you wrote this is not a real word. This doesn't." And you're like, "No, this is totally a word." Like, so my so my editor uh, Connor Leonard is great. He knew games. He also edited uh, John Romero's memoir that just came out. Okay, from the same publisher. Um, so he knew games, but the um the fact checkers that was a different team they didn't always necessarily know games so i was just very lucky that i had a really i would just take notes on everything i did so they would be like in the metal gear chapter like did someone really call jacker hoover a well-known racist in this game <laughs> and here's the youtube clip where that exactly happens so oh man that's video games are so dumb mm-hmm. you not want to draw the ire of the hoover estate <laughs> no uh well it's available now yep. like you said uh, across uh, wherever fine books are either uh, lent out or sold. Uh, it is, it's a lot of fun. It's cool to just, like, I just thumbed through it. I did not read it in order, but um, I feel, I kind of almost was looking at this being like, should I like introduce my kids to all these games? Is this like, a, is this a roadmap for like, hey, you should, because my son is way into not just games, but like, the foundational knowledge of games. Uh, and I feel like this is he, like, he, he reads all those Mario, uh, anthology books or, or, you know, the like history of Mario books, the history of Sonic. Books. Hey, can we get the first one of these? I want to play the first one of these. So I feel like he'd get a real kick out of being like, well, I, I would be so honored to play even any part in the Caravella legacy. <laughs> Great. In a debate at a dining room table about why super meat boy was on this list or whether it yes, should be or not. 
Because Flash gaming is an important part of gaming that needs to be remembered as Flash is just destroyed from the internet. Um, Repo is kind of great. Uh, Tom Falp, founder of Newgrounds, is in the book. That was a cool. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that we got him. So. Yeah, what did you, you pick? You, 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 I'm sorry. He yeah, picked Gunstar Heroes. Okay. As as influence onto like Alien Hominid for him. And stuff. Okay. Yeah, you you avoid the mistake we made for way way too long of saying like, okay, it's got to be a commercial product. It had to sell for money. <laughs> blah blah blah. Because like you pick Counter Strike in here because like mods got big. And, and mods because I can pick Half Life. Sure. Um. But you know, like 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 you said, like flash gaming. It's like for a long time we would have been like, no, a flash game can't be eligible for this. So like you, you you cast a way ni- a wider net for this stuff, which was the right move for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean the contract pick. I mean again was to to the some of the picks were to make up for the lack of other picks in other areas sure. mm-hmm. too. So it's like I not I should Valve should be in this book in some form or another. So that ended up being a way to get that. Or, you know, I picked System Shock, but I'm not going to do also Bioshock. You know, that frees up 2007 for all the other games in that year. So It's always horse trading, man. Even horse trading with time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. No, no, you, listen, time is time's going to win overall. <laughs> if, if it's the game of the year, it's going to be time. Uh, it is Video Game of the Year, a year-by-year guide to the best, boldest, and most bizarre games from every year since 1977. Jordan, I also have to say excellent author's photo on the on oh the my wife took that Thank it's you. a great picture like um it, you, I'm, I'm assuming if you zoom out you're petting a dog on like the rocks in maine with like a lighthouse behind you uh i feel like author's photos are one of those things i immediately go to to be like okay who nailed it and who didn't and it's a great my, photo my wife nailed it so okay. i'll tell her that she'll yeah, be yeah. really pleased give her my congrats it's a, it's a really nice photo that's a cartoon well people can't see it but that's a cartoon <laughs> picture of us for for you guys can see it but Oh yeah, oh, I it's can like see the it. Simpsons couch. Yeah, yeah, yes. It's above all of your video game of the year <laughs> books on your shelf. I love it. Uh, are those all signed behind you? Um, I don't think all those are signed though. But you know, it could be. In a How many did you yeah. sign? I think I've signed at this point like a hundred between all the events. Okay, um, I think it's like a, like a hundred. Yeah, because like, yeah, the event we did the story bookshop event, and then we did one with the the New York Game Critic Circle. The hometown thing. I signed the whole stock at a story bookshop to have for later. <laughs> it's been a lot. And my handwriting sucks. I was gonna say, did you invent a signature for this uh for a signing? Uh yeah, I think well, is this the one that's signed? Yes, this one, this one right here. Yeah, show us your signature here. Here's another yeah. thing that yeah, yeah, yeah. Another nice and close for the podcast. camera. Yeah. Make sure it's on um, something we can uh okay. All so right. that is, I'm gonna assume that's that's a very good uh, author signature. I assume that's not the same signature you would sign your check with. Did you, did you invent one for the book? Just say yes. Just say yes, you did. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh huh. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is not a video podcast, so nobody could see that signature no. anyway. But just but for the sake go- of your lawyer who I'm sure is listening, <laughs> he would love to know that you have a different signature on stuff. People who are scanning that into the the front page of their book to be like, Well, now I can write any check I want mm-hmm. with Jordan. Yeah. Hopefully they just get mixed up because it's just like this silver pen on a black background maybe that'll, uh, that'll trip them up yeah that'll get them. that the computers won't know what to do with that uh all right uh jordan you're gonna stick around we're gonna talk about more video games even modern ones but again video game of the year available now very fun read a lot of other people in there too um again forward by dan reichert you can hear it here the dan reichert he guy likes video games i mean guys met a lot of people the guy likes video games All right, stick around. We'll be right back. This week's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Rad shoemaker Alex Navarro. I bet you guys have subscriptions. 
I had a lot of subscriptions. I had too many subscriptions, and at a certain point, I had to drill down. I had to, I had to focus. I had to make sure that I did not have so many subscriptions anymore. You had to take time out of your day. My busy schedule. Your time, which is worth more than anything to find those subscriptions and cancel. Brad Shoemaker, do you live a subscription lifestyle? I am just a walking monthly bill at this point. <laughs> it's the world we live in. If you need help, boy, guys, I got some uh, I got some news for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. It says here that most people think they're spending $80 on their subscriptions, but in reality, the number is closer to 200 My God. What are we even doing? With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. That's rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Rocketmoney.com slash nextlander. Thanks, Rocket Money. We are back, and we are still joined by our guest, Jordan Miner, author of Video Game of the Year and senior analyst at PC Mag. How was that? Is that very NPR? That was correct. Yes. Uh, definitely didn't edit that out and do it again. No, I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> no, I really did. I got it on the first take. Uh, Jordan, you played uh, a Disney Illusion Island. Yes, I did. You reviewed uh, it, you said. Yep, on PCMag.com, where I work, as you just, as you just said. <laughs> It's all coming together. Everybody's going to think I really did edit it. I definitely, I definitely did not. Look, switch reviews on PC Mag. Oh yeah, don't the. It's like a little computer in your hand. Mac reviews on PC Mag. It's a whole Uh whole can of worms not to be opened. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, So tell me about Disney Illusion Island. I think um, this. The all I know about this game is it looks like a a kind of co-op. It's got that older slash newer (laughs) brought back Disney style. The just, new retro. The new retro, which kind of just seemed to me like Disney making sure that copyright doesn't expire on their, right. their older characters. Um, you you said when we were uh, off mic, kind of a Metroidvania. Yeah, so I didn't really know what to expect with this game other than the fact that they were calling it Illusion something mm-hmm. seemed like they were really trying to be like, here's a real game. Like we put, like we, we're referencing like games that people like. Um, so we're, this isn't trying to be some throwaway thing. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give, give this a shot. Um, but like you said, yeah, it's a Metroidvania for kids. It's a whole big map they're going to. You're crisscrossing around. There, there's certain, there's abilities. There's certain. Nice, uh, good use, know, yes. You know, areas you can't get into until you get the new power up for, um, for, uh, for either, for, yeah, it's, it's co-op. It's Mickey Mouse, it's Minnie Mouse, it's Goofy, and Donald Duck. Very angry in this game. Maybe that's a more old school characterization. He's very surly. Uh, in this sort of steamboat Willie style, have you have. have you seen the new um the new the cartoons in this style? I think so. That that um that Disney World ride is in that style too. I think. Okay. I, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because he's um, pretty angry in the new stuff too. Just 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 a big crank. 
Like, uh, I think he always kind of was yeah. in the early days. He was sort of the cranky character, and then they kind of softened him when he, they gave him nephews and mm. Scrooge McDuck to deal with. Because, I mean, you can't have two cranks in the family. <laughs> yeah, once he, uh, once he was in... Um, he was Bob... Was he Bob? Not Bob Cratchit. He's the, the nephew of Scrooge in the, in the very uh, uh, seminal and, and the best version of... Uh, um, was that Christmas Carol? Christmas Carol, yes. But he's the he's the the nice nephew in that. So maybe that's when he he softened up a bit. Uh, yeah. In the well, new one, he's, he's back he, and angrier than ever. Okay, great, right. fantastic. And so when you're playing co-op, is everybody getting all the same abilities at the same time, or do the characters have different abilities? Ah, uh, so it's interesting. The characters all get the same abilities, but they are like represented in a different way. So when you when you find the thing that gives you your ability, it's like. For your, like, your wall jump, uh, from how Mickey Mouse wall jumps, he takes out a big pencil and sticks it in the wall. Um, but when, like, Goofy wall jumps, he uses a plunger. And it's the same effect, but okay. it's, right. it's, it's visualized differently. Something a little more character specific. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you, uh, is it challenging? Uh, so you can adjust it. You can have it so that it's only, you know, you take one hit and you're dead. Whoa. Or... Or you take as many hits as you want, and you're fine. Um, okay. But what's interesting about it, beyond the, the Metroid thing, is that there's zero combat in this game. I saw it's some people all, mention that. Yeah, it's all just about the platforming and the sort of light puzzle solving. And there are enemies, but they're just you're just trying to avoid them. Huh. They're just, you know, they're obstacles. So there's no, there's no combat at all in this game. Um, which I respect as a choice for a kid's game, that it doesn't have to be violent. There's, you totally. Know, you don't have to accept violence. Um, even though I wanted to, like, you know, you have to get over your reflex of, like, can't I just, like, step on this thing? Um, but there's, yeah, there's, there's no combat. But I do feel like in taking that out, they didn't quite find something else to replace it with um, to make the game interesting in the long run. Because, uh, you know, because the abilities you get are, are pretty standard Metroid abilities of, like, oh, like a double jump and a wall jump and, like, a grappling hook. Air dash? Um, uh, that's kind of the double jump, I guess, okay. is, to, um, to get some more height there um or you know like swimming so those are all pretty expected and yeah with and with no combat i just i just felt like there was just something kind of missing at the center of it to make it more interesting to but that to me as like a as an adult man metroid player for years and years but if you're a kid i think it's a really cool introduction to like a big non-linear map kind of a game my son played uh, a lot of and my daughter also uh ori uh and and like mm -hmm. that um do you feel like this? What's the easy question? What's a better game, Ori or this? Easy, just binary. Oh choice. well, Ori, Ori's better. <laughs> but this has Mickey Mouse in it, so yeah, they're not. Big, they're not with. big Disney fans. Mm -hmm. Um, they're not. What did you rate it? Did you give it a number? Yeah, I gave it a, a three point five out of five on PC. Okay, okay, and Switch only sounds good now, to right? me. Yeah, yeah Switch only. Right. It's from the people who made that Battletoads reboot from a few years ago. Oh, oh that thing. Yeah. yeah, which was bad, I think. <laughs> that was not good. So I think this is better oh. than that. <laughs> okay. Does it, is it, does it seem viable as a single-player game? Like, Do you feel like you're missing out on anything if you just play it by yourself and ignore I played the co-op? I played it entirely by myself. Um, the only thing I think was more tuned for co-op is that the, the bosses, again, there's no combat, but you're having to do these sort of little platforming challenges. And doing all of those by yourself, it's just the same thing. So it's not like you're not, it's just, it feels more tedious because it feels tuned for like four players doing all these different challenges on the map at once and then moves on right. to the next. Yeah. 
but but beyond that I, I played it all by myself i think it handled i think it handles really good i think all the jumping and stuff feels good um but yeah i think it's just missing it's just missing a little bit something of the center to take it to the you know next level but do the characters have collision in the co-op? Do you know? Like, are they bouncing off each other? Or are you messing up? Is it like New Super Mario Brothers style where, like, this is more frustrating than not? They have, like, abilities in co-op where they can, like, help each other get to certain places and, like, heal each other and stuff. Okay. Um, and kind of do, like, like leapfrog maneuvers and, and stuff like that. Okay. But you're not, like, both trying to jump at the same time and somebody just winds up in a pit because, uh, I guess it could happen. It looks, I- I'll say this. I was just looking at some more pictures of it. It's got a nice look. It looks cool. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, that very classic art is is pretty striking. Yeah. yeah, the different biomes, yeah. There's a there's a, like a farm biome and uh like a there's like a robot mailroom kind of environment. It was kind of interesting and then space. So. <laughs> Always space. My, yeah, my my last question which you touched on at the beginning, um the use of the term illusion mm-hmm. was that just a cynical play on nostalgia on their part or does it actually feel connected to like stuff like castle illusion anyway in any way i think i mean i think the connection is just that it's a a mickey mouse game that they put effort into um (laughs) because i think because those weren't those were pretty straightforward 2d platformers i think um so yeah so it's not you know it's it's a metroidvania um but yeah i think i think that's what they're trying to to just signal is that we we have some faith in this and they should it's good do you know if this is coming anywhere else, or do, do you, is it like locked up on the Switch? I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, the Switch. I don't I'm gonna buy games for this old console. It's gonna be outdated soon. I'm gonna load up games on it. It's forty bucks. It's available now. Um, came out what like a couple of days ago, right? I think. Yeah, like late July. Yeah. Uh, Alex Navarro. Hi. Tell me about Venba. Venba. Yeah, this was a game I th- I remember hearing about some months ago uh, and had kind of so filed it away as, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll check that out when it comes out. And then it came out. So then I did that. <laughs> uh, it is a narrative adventure game uh, that is, I think, on pretty much everything or will be on pretty much everything if it isn't already. Uh, it's from a small team uh, under the banner called Visai Games, uh, and it is... As I said, it's a narrative adventure, but the the centerpiece around it is two things. It's an immigrant story about uh, a South Asian couple, an Indian couple, uh, who emigrate to Canada uh, and then have a son and sort of raise him. And it's told in vignettes that sort of take place over many years of their life uh, as they are sort of struggling against, you know, what, what would generally be considered the immigrant experience in, you know, a Western country like Canada or the U.S., uh, and but the 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 thing that it kind of revolves around the thing that like a lot of the story kind of centers on is food. Um, the idea being that, you know, the culture, you know, like individual cultures around the world. And this is, you know, as someone who is, let's just say, watched a lot of Anthony Bourdain and has heard this refrain a lot. You learn a lot about different cultures just by their food, you know, the cuisine, what people serve to you wherever they are. And, you know, in this story, it's very much about using food both to kind of keep a measure of, uh, you know, uh, the culture they had in India with them as they are, you know, trying to find their way in Canada and also like make it so that their son can understand a little bit about like what life back home was like as he is raised in an environment where, you know, he is speaking English natively and sort Mm. of like struggle like kind of pushing back against the idea of like learning the the tamil language and you know kind of 
adhering to the traditions of of Indian culture. You, and so, sorry, go ahead. Well, is it, was the kid born in Canada or did he come over? Yes. Young? Okay. The, the the game starts out with just the couple being there, the husband trying to find a steady job, uh, the wife trying to find uh, work and education, and kind of getting rejected over and over again. Uh, but so then you get these little puzzle. They're puzzle recipes, basically. Um, you know, they'll give you a dish, and they'll give you this cookbook that was inherited from the 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 wife's mother. Uh, but a bunch of the recipes are kind of smudged or otherwise, you know, not fully readable. So you kind of have to divine certain things about like what order to put stuff in. They give you the tools. You just kind of have to find the right way to do it. It's pretty lightweight in terms of gameplay. But and there's not really any penalty for doing it wrong. It's like, oh, it didn't work out right. Try it again. Um, and it's like the the thing about it that really stands out is that it is it's a short story. Like it is, I I finished the thing in under two hours. Uh, but it is exactly the right amount of story that they give you. Like it feels like a nice, thoughtful, animated film. Um, in that regard, it's telling an interesting story. The characters are pretty. Like, you know, they're they're understandable without feeling like they are just kind of dipping into tropes that are, you know, kind of well-worn in this sort of story. Like, it feels like there's a lot of warmth and a lot of, like, nuance to the way these characters are written. Um, and I think that, you know, the thing they, they, they hone in on with the food stuff is absolutely right. It is a really interesting aspect of, you know, people holding on to their cultures when they move to other places. And I think the way it is portrayed and the way it is implemented in the game is really neat. It's got a nice look to it. Like the, the yeah. kind of painterly style, illustrated style to the characters uh, is awesome. Did Very it- good soundtrack too, which is like a nice mix of what sounds like, you know, traditional Indian and also like kind of popish Indian music. Is is the, the cooking stuff mechanically, is it anything like Battle Chef Brigade? <laughs> Very, like I'd say you could, you could, draw a line to it but it's not exactly the same like the mechanics are very light it really is just like grabbing an ingredient tossing it in there sometimes you have to shake a thing with using your mouse or you know uh make sure that you line up certain things in the cooking dish right so that the steam rises in the right place that kind of stuff but it's all very lightweight like again there's very little penalty to it it is really just about you kind of finding your way through it more than anything else sounds a little cooking mama-esque yeah, and but again, without like the time penalty or like the stress of it, it's really more about just kind of luxuriating the experience. And I'll say they make their food seem very appetizing. I was gonna that was gonna be my other question was is it one of those games where you're starving by the time you're you're done playing it? <laughs> I wanted some fucking birani like as soon as I was done. Like okay. I, I immediately wanted that. Yeah, I, I have not eaten today, and I need to get this animated gif out of my face right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm just staring at all this food. Uh, yeah, it looks cool. It's fifteen bucks. Um, yes, or at least on, said, on PC, it's fifteen bucks. It's it's under it's under two hours, but I think it is exactly the right length for the story that they are telling. Give it up for short games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Give give it up for games that know not to overstay their welcome. But totally. it's really well delivered, and I I had a very very nice time with it. That's the real service. Yeah, you your time. Hell yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, I, uh, another game that came out fairly recently that I, I jumped into just for a bit, um, wasn't sure what to expect is the expanse subtitled a telltale series. Um, I'm not going to go. Can they do that? I think they can. Can they call it that? I think they, I think they can. We talked about this somewhere where we were talking about the expanse and what is telltale? What does that even mean at this point? I am unclear exactly what that means. 
I, I looked it up the last time we talked about it and then promptly forgot all of the specifics. So I Telltale think, think, is publishing this, the current Telltale entity, but Deck Nine also co-developed it. Okay, I, I want to say New Telltale is like a decent chunk of original Telltale employees, but I can't remember exactly how much. I had to figure some of this out for the book in the Walking Dead chapter. Okay, so can you fill us in, Jordan? Like, where is well, Telltale how, now? However, it was like a year ago. Okay, because um, there was like a holding company, yeah. like holding, or wasn't it like some kind of like uh, we bought the name, but we, the devs aren't there for a bit because the the layoffs were so severe, it triggered like the Warn Act or whatever. Um, yeah, because then also then even for like The Walking Dead, that got became separate. It was like yeah. Robert Kirkman's whole people picked that up. Um, but. Yeah, it's it's a whole other thing. So, so this is uh, uh, I mean, that aside, the the kind of business human side of Telltale, whatever that is, development side, it is a Telltale game if that makes sense. Like I mean, everything they've shown of yeah. it really indicated that it would be, but you know, it's the thing now is like just trying to tease out exactly where the Telltale is coming <laughs> from. Right. So, uh it, maybe inside the house, I'm not sure. So, mm-hmm. Um, but it is, it is clearly, it is based off of, or in the expanse universe, which it was, it's been a very long time since I read, uh, uh, Leviathan wakes. And I only watched a bit of the expanse series. Jordan, do you, are you familiar with the expanse series? No. Okay. No. Um, so I'm not sure exactly what they're pulling into or not. They did have, um, some voice actors that were in the show that I recognize, uh, that kind of make cameos in here, but I guess the really the big question is is it good and I've really enjoyed it so far. I, I have um I've only played like let's call it not too much more than an hour ish of it, but it's been kind of dramatic. Uh, the voice acting's been pretty good. The characterizations seem pretty good so far. Again, I'm not that familiar with the Expanse, uh, uh, especially the, the TV series, uh, which it seems like if they're taking the actors and actresses from it, then they're probably referencing that. Um. So I, I can't tell you, I can't speak to that, but it's, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm curious what you, what do you want from a, a telltale quote unquote game, right? It's a decent, some good characters, uh, uh, some mystery or uh, propellant to get you to make choices. I just want someone to remember that. Yeah. That's I mean, is, it. Yeah, is, is, is it full on so-and-so will remember yep. that? Or if they may like made totally. the mechanics a little, a little more subtle this I, time. I broke no? up a fight and it said, uh, uh, dude will remember that. Okay. Um, subtleties for cowards just give me the i will remember that or not uh, i think i think it says remember that it, it definitely is, is something along those lines of like okay. you know like name pops up and it's like you've done a thing that will have some consequence or be of some consequence does it feel like the presentation has involved right in sorry, yes. evolved much because isn't that something you guys brought up when you were playing that star trek game which to be clear is not actually telltale but that's the it's another studio of x telltale devs right. that made right. that so i think this game looks pretty good and like okay. uh and you know controls all right uh, i'm not gonna say it's a it's gonna uh win any awards let's say for uh uh looks no, it's stuff. not it's not it's not video game of the year in it, that regard look it could be telltale game of the year okay <laughs> it's already the walking dead it's already yeah. the walking uh, dead. Yeah. well this, I, whatever telltale is i don't even again I, I can't speak to what this a telltale series means here with the expanse other than trading on the name um, but you know, other people can fill in those gaps there. It's, I, I really came to it mostly from an academic curiosity of what is this, what does this engine look like? Because it was straining towards the end of the telltale run. Oh there. yeah. Uh, and I think it's pretty good. I think it's modernized and, uh, feels all right. 
Um, I played it on the PC. Again, looked okay, sounded okay. Faces seemed pretty good and emoted pretty well. Uh, it's, you know, there are a lot of helmets on, obviously. But, uh, uh, yeah, seemed all right. Like, you know, it's not an action game. So, you, you know, you're, you're running. I would hope not yeah, if it's you're, Telltale. You're running around. It's not like the, the, the snappiest controls and like, wow, this jump feels super good. But it's interesting enough where you're exploring kind of uh, derelict spaceships and you've got full control of your character in third person. And it doesn't feel like they went and broke the engine to do it. You know what I mean? Apparently you're deciding whether certain characters lose their leg or not. Yep. I let, according to the screenshot. I, uh, I let them keep the leg. Seemed pretty happy about that. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's neat. And and the premise that, or the short thing they're setting up is they do the thing where there's a really tense situation out of the gate and it kind of puts your character in a situation where they're about to make a huge choice. And then it goes eight hours earlier. So I mean, Uh, uh, it does do that. And I was like, Oh, come on. But bastards. Yeah. But it is in decent service to what they're setting up. It, it kind of works out, pays off pretty quickly in like, okay, all right. I kind of want to see how we got there. Um, you know, you, you got me. It's cliche, but you got me. Uh, that's the expanse of telltale series, 40 bucks. Uh, I am playing it over on the, I believe it's Epic only on the PC right now. I don't know if it's coming over later to other PC platforms. Uh, also I fake beat Pikmin four. I saw credits on Pikmin 4. Um, Jordan, have you I played much Pikmin 4? Yeah, I played a lot of Pikmin okay. 4. Did okay. You, do you yes. know what I'm talking You're nodding no. You're talking about. Yeah. yeah, you're maybe halfway through the game. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Wait, so what are they doing? I Okay. Jordan, <laughs> I there's a lot in it. Jordan, let yeah. me know if this sounds accurate. It seems to me by the time you see credits, they're like, look, you know what this game's about. There's going to be a lot more doing the same thing that you've been doing. We're going to give you credits in case you want to put this game down and feel cu- good that you got to the, uh, a point in this game where you're like, okay, I think I saw enough because the mechanics probably don't change that much from this point on, right? Like you've seen all the big, the big hits. Yeah, it's all, it's a post game. Um, it reminds me of kind of some of what they've done in some Mario games of like you hit the credits, but then here's like the real kind of challenging <laughs> extra kingdoms and stuff. And like a lot of them. Um, I, yeah, I think like I, you said, like half of it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, I ended up. I love this game. I gave it a nine out of ten at PC Mac, um, and part of it was this: how much it ended up having. It kind of snuck, kind of sneak, uh, sneaks up on you. How much is ultimately in this game? Um, so, like when you when you hit the credits, you're at the end. You that's like at the end of like the kind of fourth area, mm-hmm. um, and then there are two more other areas that are as big and more difficult. Um, so that's like another like you know half of the game. Um, Wait, is there not a third yeah. area? Because I'm in the I'm in the second big area. Um, I'm in the second big area, but it looks like there's room for one more thing on the bottom. So I don't. Without spoilers, is it is it just not like another whole area? Because I'm still missing an onion that I think I'm gonna get, and that's a, okay. That's a p- part of this game that I I'm not sure how I feel about the kind of limited resource Pikmin. Not sure about those onions. Yeah. Versus like, just give me the dang onion and stop making me worry about losing my Pikmin. Yeah. Because they do, they do that with the Pikmin or like, they're like especially useful. I know. Um, And I, that's what I liked about it is that it makes you feel there's more kind of resource management. Definitely. I can't, 
just and, sacrifice all these flying Pikmin. And to that end, um, they do have a rewind feature, which is like, look, we get it. You don't want to lose. You made a big mistake. You just lost 40 Pikmin because you didn't move your Pikmin out of the way when this giant sponge fell on them or whatever. So like you should re and they, they really put that in your face. So like you should rewind. <laughs> you lost too many Pikmin right. there, man. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. You, you were okay with that kind of uh, resource challenge. Yeah, I thought it was just because I don't think the game up to that point is that difficult. No. Um, so yeah, just having another thing to sort of think about. Because um, also that that dog is so powerful and Super so useful. Powerful. You could just send so, it. I don't know if you played uh, any co-op in it either. The second player is basically broken. It's like uh, the, they just get a turret basically yeah. and they can hit things that won't aggro you. So you could just kind of hang back and even bosses sometimes just you could just stand back after you trigger the boss and just have the second player shoot rocks infinitely at the boss and be like, yeah, I'm not losing any Pikmin today. It's all right. Uh, yeah. I kind of, I kind of wish that they let people just play as the dog though. Um, to, to do like co-op yeah. that way. Like, cause that's, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Pikmin three did that mm-hmm. with the three captains. You could split them up. So that kind of felt like a step back to me a little bit. So my son said same, same criticism said I, mm-hmm. li- I like the co-op better in Pikmin three. You're raising a games critic. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yep. I mean, I mean, he's right. I, I, I guess I get it. And, or maybe there's a Pikmin four deluxe that'll come sometime. That'll let you do that because you can, for those that don't know, you get this dog that is very powerful. The Pikmin can ride on the dog. It's basically an independent character, kind of like the, the other captains, but, you do not you do not have co-op control of it um i am i will say this i'm enjoying this game i'm gonna try and wrap it up um i'm bored of the side stuff i'm bored of the dendori battles and i'm kind of bored of the night missions uh i feel like i've got (laughs) i've got three i don't want to give any spoilers away here this isn't really spoilers but i have three people i need to tend to now I, I think i'm about to get a fourth that i need to do a night mission for and i'm like sorry i'm just i'm tired of doing those i just don't want to do out them. yeah uh, but with those especially i just started doing the thing where the guy will just play them for you um oh i haven't he, unlocked that yet okay there's something yeah where if maybe if maybe he's a castaway you find okay maybe, um where he, if it's like if you fail or maybe it's when you fail the first time they'll just do <laughs> oh it yes you. yes okay dingo or yeah. whatever we'll do we'll do them. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. he right he gave me the option to do it and i was like no nah, let's, let's i'll try this again but he'll just do it for you he'll do it for you and then you'll still get the resource you need um <laughs> okay so, so I, st- I started doing that for some of those uh so i could focus more on the caves that i thought were kind of the more interesting i think of, the caves are the, so the yeah. caves are basically for lack of a better word they're like you know little little instances almost or of like okay shrines like shrines they're, they're kind of like shrines you get a set number of pikmin um you don't have access to get backups or recruits you have to basically you know what they're like uh as someone who appreciates starcraft jordan they're like those uh those boarding the ship missions where you go in okay. with a set yeah. number of troops and you're like okay you're only going to get the troops you find in the ship so make sure you don't lo- you can't just you can't lose them willy-nilly right because you're not going to get reinforced. You can't build more troops. Um, and they're neat. That's where a lot of the fun boss battles are. Uh, it's where the m- most puzzle solving is. Kind of like a shrine. Uh, and the, the overworld is basically like, I don't know, find a cave <laughs> and, and a tomato. They're a good way to grind out too. Pick me, you don't have the onion for. If you find like those little flowers that can yeah. convert them, you can grind them out that way for a, a pro strat. Can I ask you a spoiler here? Oh, yeah, go for it. Okay. Do you ever games, get, games out? So yeah. yeah, yeah. Do you ever get a white Pikmin onion? Um, that is very, very, very post game. 
That's like that's like that's like post post game stuff. Okay, <laughs> okay, um, that's way out there for me. Yes. Okay. All right. I uh, it's the thing of my son and I. Every time he comes back, he's like, "Did you get that onion?" I'm like, "I haven't seen it yet." He's like, "All right, here's the ones I think we're gonna get." I'm like, "Okay, okay, okay, okay." And he's like, "I'm not sure because in the description it says you only get them through the flower." It's like so we're we're very curious about getting that onion. All right. So I've got some more to go. Yes. All all onions are in the game, but some are very very obscure and not on the critical path at all even for the post game not on the critical path at all i've been uh trying to 100 percent each level before i move on i think i should just should I just go and get get the young get the resources and go back uh, no that's that's how i play too okay I, I i enjoyed playing it that way i do it's fun it, and they make it so easy because a dang dog can just sniff out whatever you need and it's like yep this is easy yeah. nothing else on there it's yeah you get him fully upgraded he's he's a monster <laughs> he's a, he's about he's just soloing everything for me it's uh very funny and i'm like you know they do add bosses where you have to trigger some status effects sometimes so you do have to like put your pikmin in the game once in a while so the dog just can't completely solo everything but i i like it i'm not a hundred percent sold again it's that pikmin scarcity that um that i, I don't love when it's like oh man earlier on in the game when i was like i gotta get some ice pikmin i gotta go like run this dungeon and go like basically pick up some ice pikmin and then bail out of the dungeon when i have enough um in the game they you can freeze water with ice pikmin but it kind of takes a lot if you're trying to freeze big piles of water so sometimes they'd be like ah, i could do this if i have 60 ice pikmin i just gotta go i gotta go run that dungeon 10 times and go get them yeah nine you gave it yeah, I really ended up enjoying it. Um, for again, for that that post game especially really ended up making me think a lot more of it. Of just like okay. there's actually a lot more in this game than I would have thought. Um, I think the dog stuff is great. I think they like streamlined a lot of previous Pikmin concepts in good ways. Because um, even the the caves were in two, but that was kind of more of like a like a roguelike mm. almost. Like they were like randomized somewhat. Whereas here they're very like designed uh, puzzles. Um, and yeah, I feel I feel like they just really put a lot into this one. They're really trying to be like, this is like an important game for us. Like, finally, pay attention to this, please. I don't um, know it's on the unreal. It's on the it's on the Unreal Engine. It's a real game. <laughs> um, I don't know if the people we talked about this last time. Like, I don't know where Pikmin rates in the Nintendo like catalog. I feel like it's kind of far down there. Yeah, I like I mean, they're I like still making them. They it's are, not like they, it's F Zero where they just <laughs> forgot they even own it. Like they're still doing it. Yeah, it's the most AAA Pikmin yet. There's a skill tree. It's true, and there's like, um, there's almost like not necessarily role playing elements, but you can kind of get gear and you know and spend currency, and I think it's pretty good. I think it's pretty good. I'll be curious to try and wrap this one up. I hopefully am not too too far out. We talked about this briefly last time. I'll just ask you this, and then we'll wrap up Pikmin Four. What do you think about the removal of the kind of um, timer mechanic of, of how many days in mission you are? Oh, here we go. Uh, I like that. I like that they took that out. I like um, it too. I don't want, I don't need that okay. kind of stress. Wow. And if you want that kind of stress, the game maybe has that for you. Oh. Uh-oh. Okay. Okay, I'll leave it there then. Oh man. Uh that is Pikmin 4 that is out now. So would you uh, am I safe to say I kind of beat it? But not really. Yeah, you beat it. You beat it. If you're satisfied, that's a you're yeah. How will we know if he's satisfied? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, the game. You're right. The game gave you a, a perfect off ramp. It, it knows. Do they show the credits again? Yeah, <laughs> they do. Okay, <laughs> so there's another. Yeah, because it's here. like there's a whole other very significant boss and That's everything. So but... funny. That's so funny. Has there has there ever been a single more influential Steam review? 
So then how do I know if I'm satisfied? Yes, I can't imagine. (laughs) It's a great question. I mean, it's it's the question. It's like everything not saved will be lost. (laughs) It speaks to the mentality of the Steam reviewer in a way that nothing else has. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're going to come back. I, unless there's other games you guys want to talk about. Okay. I mean, unless you want to hear uh, me talk so about I'm... Oklahoma and American Truck Simulator, I think we're good. <laughs> mm. I redownloaded Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, so did I. So did okay. I. What are your, what are your intentions? What are, what are uh, your just intentions? To, uh, just to play it again. I don't know. I'm okay. thinking about Mortal Kombat. Yes. One, yes. So. As, as one often does. I, I've been thinking about going through the whole story mode again before. I just one. played the last fights of both of the okay. the campaign and then the aftermath stuff. Just sure. that stuff again. But. Sure. There's like a beta opening up again, right? Is Late August, I think, for like three days. There's a okay pre like pre order beta. Or Is something? that just one of those early, like play it early things then? Because I, I, it's yeah okay. It releases early September, right? Uh, late something September. Like oh, late yeah. September. Okay, Star like Starfield nineteenth, I think. Something and, like that. That sounds, that sounds right. September. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, we'll be back. Uh, we'll talk about those when they when they come out. But before we do that, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna talk about the news. I'm excited to talk about this news, something we, I feel like we've been leading up to since Next Lander has been around. Mm-hmm. Feels like more of a possibility than ever. We'll be right back. Stick around. This week's show is brought to you by Factor. Brad Shoemaker, Alex Navarro. Do you guys know what Factor is? <laughs> I do. I thought you were about to ask if I knew what food is. Do you also know what food is? I've heard of it. It sounds cool. Do you know what food can be? Factor's here. Factor is here to tell you what food is and can be. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. We've gotten some factor before. I've actually mm-hmm. found it to be quite tasty and delicious and convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, you can put it in the toaster oven, put it in the microwave. I did the toaster oven. It was ready. I think in the toaster oven was ready between like 10, 15 minutes. Pretty quick. You can choose from over 34 weekly flavor packed, fresh, never frozen meals, ready to eat in two minutes. You can level up with Gourmet Plus options prepared to perfection by chefs and ready to eat in record time. Ooh, you can treat yourself to upscale meals with premium ingredients like broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, and asparagus. Not that regular butter, truffle butter. Round out your meals and replenish your snack supply with an assortment of over 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes bacon and cheddar egg bites Ooh, potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet oh man factor what are you what are you doing to me factor with factor you can rest assured you're making a sustainable choice they offset 100 of their delivery emissions source 100 renewable electricity for their production sites and offices and feature sustainably sourced seafood in their meals Head to factormeals.com slash nextlander50 and use code nextlander50 to get 50% off. That's code nextlander50 at factormeals.com slash nextlander50 to get 50% off potato, bacon, and egg breakfast skillet. Thanks, Factor. We are back, and Jordan Miner is still with us and ready 
to commentate on the big news. The big news. Uh, Jordan, have you heard the big news? Yes, I went to journalism school, so I always heard the big news. Okay, Jordan has put on uh, his uh, his newsy ca- his cap. It's got a little press thing in it. Uh, oh, look out. Here we go. Ready to confirm rumors. Brad Shoemaker, you have written down in the news doc a thing I feel like we have been talking about since the Switch released. What do we got? Yeah, thereabouts, at least the last year or two, let's say. Mm, definitely. New Nintendo Switch or new Nintendo something finally happened we have our first actually sourced report about concrete details about the next nintendo thing so would you say and this is open to everybody jordan news person is this confirmed then are we just getting a new switch next year i think so it's yeah yeah (laughs) probably i don't know yeah Yeah, okay yeah yeah you know we've we've had we've had scuttlebutt and kind of analysis from (laughs) so much you know, over the last couple of years, looking at supply chain about, oh, they're likely to do this, you know, oh, things got pushed back because of the pandemic, blah, blah, blah. But this is this is full on Video Games Chronicle coming out saying they have spoken to multiple people with knowledge of Nintendo's next gen console plans, quote unquote. Uh, Eurogamer also came back around and said, yes, we have confirmed parts of this with our sources as well. Yeah. So this does seem pretty, pretty trustworthy. Uh, all right. Here are the details as we have them. Give them to me. The company is likely to release new hardware during the second half of 2024 to ensure that it has ample stock available on day one to avoid the kind of shortages seen with the PS5 and Xbox Series X slash S, which kind of implies they probably could launch it, say, in the first half, maybe, potentially. Yeah. But, Switch uh, was a first half release, wasn't it? It was yeah, in March or something, Switch, Switch was a March release, so they are yeah. definitely not averse to putting out a console early in the year. Um. What else we got here? Um, this <laughs> this one this one reads like so duh to me, but I guess you, you I mean you have to spell everything out. Uh, all those specific details are being clo- uh, kept closely guarded. Uh, sources indicated that the next gen console would be able to be used in portable mode. <laughs> like, you know, okay, you don't say that's not I mean, a, that's not a duh to me. I mean, yeah, I mean it's a, it's a I, it's a pretty big one, but it's not a duh. Like, dude, if they don't just make another Switch, another thing in the mold of the Switch, like throw the entire management team out the window. Yeah. Like that. It needs to be backwards compatible as well. Yes, yes, that is another Please thing. God, yes. Another thing in here that is um less than less than concrete, I guess I would say. Other details such as backwards compatibility, support for Switch games remains unclear. Um let's see. They're talking L C D screen, not OLED at launch try to keep costs under control um you know they're saying it'll have more storage because of course it will because <laughs> games are bigger now still have a cartridge slot right which seems like it's increasingly irrelevant detail <laughs> uh, that you still have facility for physical for physical releases um let's see i think that might be everything we've got for now no real tech specs to speak of yeah at this no, point. no real specs um although there have been plenty of rumors floating around about that stuff as well yeah, the the article kind of the back half I feel like on the Video Game Chronicles kind of goes over the you know, there's anticipation for this but there's also some challenges, right? Like the what software are we looking at coming next Switch, right? Like what we got a lot of things that just came out on the Switch and like what's going to move over? How do you convince I think this article explicitly says it, like how do you convince 
the more quote unquote casual players that they can get a better Mario Kart version on the next Switch than they have on their current Switch. There's a lot of really good versions of Nintendo's marquee franchises on the Switch. Maybe the best Smash Brothers there's been, right? Maybe the best Mario Kart. Okay. <laughs> There's been the it's, game, the game of the year, Smash Brothers. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Speaking that's right. of speaking of Smash Brothers, I don't know if you saw that Sakurai recently has he's he's passed the inflection point in the cycle where he went from oh god, this game almost killed me to oh, time to start thinking about the next game. <laughs> like, Give the man I'm thinking about what the next seven years of my life are going to look like. It's like clockwork, he goes straight from barely getting the game out to like oh here we go again. I mean, how, at least he uh, got to go do some podcasts in the interim. Yes. What do you do on a next Smash Like, What are you even thinking about? You put every character that has basically ever been in a Smash Brothers in Smash Brothers Ultimate. It's called Ultimate. Like, what do you do? You, can you start by having a, like, I don't know. Jordan, do you know what the initial rosters are? Are they like 32? Something like that. Like, um, yeah, like Brawl, Brawl had 35. I think Melee had like the high 20s or something. Okay. First game had 12. I know that. Maybe start um, back there. We go back to 12. Yeah, I think we go back to our blob of the year, and I think it's the Fortnite model. I think it becomes a platform. <laughs> it's like you know, you're you you get a base level of characters, you get the, all the modes you know, and then they just start adding stuff over oh. and over over time. At a certain I, point, Travis Scott is in Smash Brothers. You know, I can't. I That's can't believe it Travis touchdown. I can't believe I'm saying this, but like Nintendo is kind of the one company I would like to see take a stab at live service still, just because they've never done it properly. You know, it's like they came like your anim- tongue. They came out with Animal Crossing, and it was like, well, this is pretty awesome. Like you should keep this going for. A while and then they put out like one dlc you know and then Ma- forgot it existed that booster pack on on mario kart is is uh yeah, definitely you know, a, a foot a, a toe in the pool let's say that's, that's a, a reasonable value let's say yeah, <laughs> yeah a it's lot good in there. it's pretty good i mean they had the um, the character packs in smash um you know they've had those uh, true and uh, splatoon is kind of like that yeah, yeah fair yeah okay sure yes actually the what are the weekend events the Splatfest. Splat yeah yeah those those are cool you're right uh, um, I, but they still do it in a very Nintendo way. There are always things that you're just like, <laughs> I wish it was a little different than totally. the way you're doing it, but that's the Nintendo way. But yeah. Nintendo has its kind of unified account now, right? It has it has you as a user with an account linked to something online. Yeah, and then uh, uncharacteristically, they have confirmed that, that that will be coming over finally for once. They will have continuity of account system from one console to the next, so that's cool. Yeah, That actually does touch on probably the most infuriating part of this video games chronicle story. Nintendo has said this is, this is like following from the, we don't know if it's backwards compatible or not. Nintendo has said it wants to convert as many of Switch's hundred million plus user base as possible. Although some third party publishers are said to have expressed concern that legacy support for switch games could negatively affect sales of next gen titles. I mean, that's, that's true, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. But you don't have to listen I, to them is the thing. Yeah, exactly. Don't listen to your shareholders either. <laughs> That is, I don't know, that, is, that seems like extreme, like, can't see past quarterly results but, thinking to me, because yeah. it's like, hey, backwards compatibility helps you build an install base faster, and then you have a bigger install base to sell new games to. I, here's my very elitist two cents, and yes, I'm, I'm, my nose is high up in the air, but like... Put, up your, put on your fancy pants, yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah, here are my fancy pants, like, look, I ain't coming to the Switch for third-party games. Like, um, my third-party games are elsewhere, so like... Don't worry about it, Nintendo. I'm coming to Switch for first-party games and make your first-party... If your first-party games are knocking it out of the park, they're going to come to the Switch. It's you're, go- you're, you're going to be okay. You're not wrong, but I have to believe that is something Nintendo would very much like to change. 
Oh, well, I mean, they had the opportunity. I mean, I, okay. Let's say third party cross platform games. Let me be specific there. Okay. Yeah. And saying, not like, happening. yeah. So if there is a, if there is an, a somewhere else to play that game in a comparable way, I'm probably playing it somewhere else. Third party switch exclusives. I'm still well, that's only, a different story, I'm playing yeah. on the switch. Yes. So but I'm saying I, if I was Nintendo, yeah. I would love to change that narrative at some point that this is not the platform for playing the big third-party cross-platform games. Yes. I have I mean, a soft spot for some jank-ass Switch ports from third parties. <laughs> what if I told you that's how I was playing Mortal Kombat? Okay, sure. I, no, sure. You'd, you'd be lying. It's not true. No, you can do it. You can play Mortal Kombat on that console. And, and I will say that years of doing that kind of primed me for Steam Deck <laughs> not being necessarily the best performing what version of those PC games, but having it in that handheld context um, is worth the trade-off for me. In totally. More instances than not, I ended up learning about myself. Are you... Do generation. You, have you streamed the game? I've never done the streaming. Have you done the streaming on the Switch? I did that with Control. Okay. Um, and they had like a graphics option and performance option, and graphics option was just completely unplayable. But okay. the performance option of that ended up being pretty... Okay. I, I played the whole game that way. Okay. Um. It's better than Stadia, I guess. <laughs> Whoa. Shots fired. Huge Take that slam Stadia. on Stadia out what? of nowhere. <laughs> um, do you, did you get a Stadia? Do you still have this? Uh, they, they, sent, they sent to us. I think this Android phone I have is one they sent to me to, for all that testing. Nice. And then I played Just Dance with my wife, and she's like, what is this? <laughs> what, what is even happening? The Stadia controller is now in a museum somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm super excited for a new Switch, mostly because... I want those first parties, like I said. Uh, I want them to run the best they can. Do you think uh, we get a 4K Switch 2? I mean, something that can output 4K almost certainly. Yeah. Like okay. something that can push 4K graphics natively? Absolutely not. Not even <laughs> fucking close. So you're saying the the ability to push out, there's a 4K ability to put video out at 4K. Will yeah, the I mean, games it, run at 4K? It's it's super it's super loose, but the rumors and also looking at what the likely NVIDIA hardware is that could be in this thing, like people are sort of looking at performance in the ballpark of a PS4 on this thing. Okay. Just to put it put it in context, but with hardware that could do DLSS that could upscale graphics quite nicely. DLSS so, is quite a thing. So so you would get a lot more performance out of it that way, but still. Um something that can output 4K, yes. But yes, not 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 doing PS5 ports. Would you well, okay? Let me let me ask all of you this. Barring first year of this thing coming out, say it comes out twenty twenty four. Barring some big marquee Mario or something releases, do you think it would be enough to say, like the Xbox did, of like all these Switch games will run better and will have kind of a native frame rate, uh, maybe a better graphics pass, not work done to it. You know what was that called on Xbox? Like um. When it was just like, hey, your older games are just going to run better or some of that. Uh, it, was, it was sort of like Xbox One X enhanced was the kind enhanced, of language yeah, they yeah, used yeah, for, yeah. for stuff like that. Do you think that's enough to get people to come over? You mean, you mean enough as in there is not a substantial launch lineup of new games? It's, it's like a kind of typical, maybe a little light, but like not like I said, not a marquee Mario. They've got to launch with one banger at least, especially after this long. Okay. Because this will be seven and a half years, right? I just don't know what's ready. What's ready at this point? I guess it's Mario. And all that's Metroid Prime 4. (laughs) Mm, (laughs) Yeah. What a a can of worms. (laughs) What was the last time we heard anything about that? 
I've like I've like filed that away in, in, in the like don't ever think about this again mental box and like if they surprise us and show it at some point, cool, but like that thing feels like vaporware almost at this point. Um, Do you think you think Metroid Prime Four is enough? Like is Metroid Metroid's up there. Look, I'm not saying Metroid isn't a system seller, but it's not a Mario, it's not a Zelda. When was the last time they launched without a Mario or a Zelda? I'm trying to think. Like GameCube, even GameCube had Luigi's Mansion, which what is did, not um, not exactly a Mario, but kind of. What did the 3DS have? Uh, yeah, you're right. 3DS was a pretty weak lineup. God, it had memory. one, but I think it had like an HD update of like an N64 Mario or Zelda or something um, at launch, didn't the it? Zelda, the Ocarina, Zelda one came a few. The, yes. the Ocarina one was a few months later. Yes. Though. Okay, yes, that's right. Um, so launch window. Yeah, my my memory of the 3ds launch is just Pilot Wings Resort. <laughs> yeah, and, and then the and then the apology. Like <laughs> those are my memories of the 3ds launch. Was like the apology shortly after of like sorry it was so expensive. Here's a bunch of free games. <laughs> um, yeah, I like late 2024 will be seven years since Mario Odyssey, so I don't know yeah. exactly how those teams are divided up and like who gets put on what projects. But if there's been a team thinking about the next mainline 3d mario for seven years and making one potentially are you telling me that mario wonder is not a mainline mario That's, are we gonna have this argument right now look come on come on i forgot I, i'm coming I, on I man i forgot about it i see no reason to think that it can't be wait when is that game it'll, coming it'll out clean up that's, that's this, yeah. this holiday yeah it'll be huge but i look you know the 3d and 2d franchises are separate at this point basically um, you're you're going to get a 3D Mario and it's going to be voiced by Chris Pratt and it's going to launch on this uh, in 2024. And I'm going to get the <laughs> fuck out of video games then. <laughs> and it's going to be awesome because now they finally have the power to have uh, uh, Chris Pratt's voice in, in, the, in Mario. Absolutely not. The, the, they've got to launch with something big and they do. A new 3D Mario sure would be it. Or like a huge gimmick, right? Or like a, um, a kind of a Wii motion gimmicky thing like a wee bowling wee sports resort thing that is like hey you got this killer thing on here that doesn't it's got some new i don't even know where we go at this point balance motion running fitness heart rate tracker i cardboard person i don't know they've done it all it's nintendo wow there's nothing left there's nothing left yeah considering the response to everybody wants to switch or lack or lack thereof let's say about a Boy. month ago did you know that came out they sure did just drop think, that thing out of nowhere i think i think motion is kind of done for mm. them um, yeah. or as like the central thing yes yes um, i think sure. what's cool about the switch is that they found a way to kind of have it all totally um, totally yeah and how absolutely. it's like how modular it is yeah i kind of sure. wish, wish they did more with that honestly i wish i wish they did put out more weird controllers because <laughs> now they have a format that they could do that without like totally compromising its ability to play normal sure, games sure I think it's like maybe the one downside of the Switch design is that you do have to account for people playing handheld. So mm. you've got to you've got to consider everybody's use case and make sure that it's playable in every every format. Yeah, or just abandon that audience. Yes, also <laughs> also <laughs> an option. Abandon the handheld audience. Yes. Yeah, I mean Sorry. I think WarioWare is all motion, so that'll true. Yeah. Sorry, Switch Lite owners. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's kind of it for now. But I hey. mean, it's a big one. I mean, it's the first yes. like real like okay, yes. no, seriously, you are doing this. It's not it's exactly good. proof of life, but it's close to it. It's good to know. I think it was like a year since an analyst said late 2024 or something. So I guess that's been out there for a while, but it's good to finally know for sure. Uh, 
when do you think if this is going to launch in the back half of 24 how close to launch do you think we actually start hearing about this officially like, e- like summerish e3 kind of time of next year and then you think it, you think it launches like october or Something like, like pre-holiday yeah okay okay yeah that sounds plausible like i could see maybe some kind of like tentative reveal that's not like here's what it looks like or even maybe the name but just some like hey we're working on the next thing and it will have x y and z like maybe sometime this year there there's a report on a site i've never heard of called start menu that seems plausible but also i have a hard time believing they're basically saying that they're going to like confirm the existence of this thing at gamescom so i that seems so unnintendo like to do that at somebody else's trade show it seems extremely unnintendo and I'm never, even from years of, of following the industry and covering it, never quite sure what the best bet is in terms of selling existing software that developers are working on in your current system and then dropping a new console, right? Like you have to, you have to have that sell through your developers are working on stuff for the switch. Right. And they're like, you cannot announce this new switch while before our thing releases. Right. Versus getting anticipation and promoting your new thing for the longest period of time. Right. Cause as soon as you drop, if if the switch drops in September or late August or something, and they announce it, all those devs that are making games for their switch, hopefully, I mean, this article does say that dev kits are out there, right? Like, yes, that, that was the other detail. Uh, I knew I was forgetting something. Yes. The dev kits are supposedly in the hands of developers now. So maybe there's a transition period where Nintendo is allowing current, in development software to be portable to the to the next platform in an easy way so that developers don't get left hanging with older console quote unquote uh i don't know i don't know that that always seemed to be a balancing act for launching new hardware of yeah because remember last last gen where it was like <laughs> sony was like nah it's next gen or bust and the xbox and microsoft was like it's like it's all a big family you know mm-hmm. whether you're here or there or everywhere and I don't know, it seems like it's a tough one. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the X factor here is worth pointing out that this this generation has been so long for them that hardware and software sales are both down double digits this year. I saw that in here. For, for the Switch. Yeah. So they are really kind of pushing it on that front, which actually in that context makes me think, like, how are they going to make it another year and change? <laughs> like, what else do they have? Yeah, I feel like this holiday is their last holiday yeah. of just Switch. I think I think Mario Wonder will be the thing that is that kind of that last big boost. Totally. Um, but after that, yeah. I mean, yeah, God, I mean, it sounds so foreboding when you say it that way. The last holiday of Nintendo. <laughs> maybe 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 they just kind of play it cool next year, leading up to this. Uh, Software wise, I don't know. Maybe maybe they start maybe they maybe they do start the promotional cycle, and it's all about promoting you know the wonder whatever the next big thing is. No, the wonder is coming out this the year. The wonder, yes. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's what they call the next system. The wonder switch. The wonder switch. wonder switch. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. uh-huh. You said it. Now it's a thing. Finally, the wonder swan yeah, reference wonder. we've been looking for. Uh-huh. Wonder swan oh, fans wow. get excited. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I, look, I look forward to hearing more. Obviously, so does everybody else. Um, maybe make a console. Do it. Do it. You have Just our make approval. It compatible, for the love of God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. Backwards cart compatible, too? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay. If you're putting a damn cart slot in that yeah. thing, absolutely. Okay. Hey, listen, I ain't, I ain't the hardware designer. I'm the engineer who has to make that work. I love, was it the 3DS or the, which one had the, 3DS could play uh, uh, DS games, right? It had both cart slots. Yes. That was amazing. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, and then it was the the Wii had the flip up uh the flip up thing that you could put the um was it the uh GameCube controllers in? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. We we could play GameCube, Wii U could play Wii and also technically GameCube if you hacked it. Um <laughs> So Nintendo's out there, they got like, your back, they know what's going on. Well they have done it. Yeah. But you're not right. My they, back is maybe overstating it a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, if if they don't do it here, they have really blown it. Though. No, I agree. I bring, agree. Bring bring even their whole like virtual console yep. subscription thing over too. Definitely. That would be lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If I didn't have to suddenly resubscribe to a new thing that uh, only got me the games I started with on the last platform. Uh, I got bad news for you though, Brad. You will have to buy a new N64 controller on the next thing. They will not make that controller work. Uh, yeah, they're moving to lightning ports for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's compatibility issues. and mm-hmm. you know. uh, All right. Uh, again, looking forward to more on that in some amorphous period of time. Uh, next up here, Brad and Alex. Um, I guess I'll start with Alex here. Physical collector of games and media. No. And also uh, a lover of Like a Dragon and the uh, mm-hmm. everything there. Brad, you put a story in here that says Alec, they're going to break Alex's heart. Yes. Well, uh, he's probably not. fine. He's he'll fine. get he'll get a review okay. code. What does he care? <laughs> he's okay. That's that's the real thing. Is that yes, I am a physical media hoarder, but not so much with video games these days. Mm. After the last gen, about halfway through last gen, I kind of stopped buying physical games. And I don't think I've bought a single physical PS5 or Series X game. Okay. Yeah, I I, I almost jumped to the Jedi Survivor story because both of these kind of dovetail with the Switch and and you know new consoles and where physical releases are going and blah blah blah. Mm. But uh, like a Dragon Gaiden coming out in was it October, right? Yeah. Uh, what what is it? The man who erased his name, right? Yes. The best subtitle in the history of video games. Uh, will not have a physical release in the West, it seems, in outside of Japan, or I've, maybe other Asian territories also are getting a boxed version, I think. But over here, digital only, which, yeah, you know, we just had this news with um, Alan Wake 2 a few months ago, mm-hmm. and that was at least somewhat understandable because Remedy is still independent and conceivably might need publishing help from a partner to get that out, but Sega is Sega. <laughs> Sega can do it if Sega they want can, to. Sega can put out a physical release if they want to. It seems they are maybe just opting not to. So. I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to speak frivolously about this because I do. I do think having physical versions of these games out there is a worthwhile and useful thing to have, and I think it does give me a little twinge of disappointment, even if I'm not planning on buying a physical version. To say we're just not doing it. But also, we have the last ten years of evolution in video games and online marketplaces, and this was always where things were heading. Yeah, it. I kind of agree with you, though. I also, um, I feel for the people that still want a the physical, yeah, you know, collectors thing. B, if they have bad download speeds, um, but yes, they're um, but, and I'm not saying it's justification. A lot of these games, you got to re-download the thing anyway on day one. So it's oh, like, yeah. there's always like a 10 gigabyte patch totally. that you have to have. If, if you're lucky, 10 gigs. Sometimes you just yeah. download the whole damn thing over again. Um, yeah, I like I when we talk about this with control, I really came at it from a preservation standpoint. And in that sense, games yeah. that don't even really function off the disc without a huge download are like not worthless, but approaching such yeah. uh, in the sense of being able to like play in a museum in 30 years. The thing I had failed to consider then was the resale value of physical games. Yeah. Uh, or the, you know, the tradability, the whatever you want to call it, like 
we still have we still have zero capacity to resell digital games right after however long i so, want to say yes across pretty much all marketplaces that we know about right like nobody yes. is allowing buybacks no I, I feel like i remember some weird rumors I about that like, too, 15, like 10, 10 plus years ago when yeah. digital games first started really becoming a thing there was some talk of like oh they might let you trade sell, keys. Them, sell them off for a third of the was, price and was that was that part of the whole original xbox one pitch it might have been that would be I part of remember. how they would justify all their drm uh, yeah, insanity did, yeah that sounds right i should go back and look maybe they did say something about that being a possibility uh it may have gotten lost in the noise of everyone hating what they were talking about <laughs> yeah i mean you know like valve has turned it into big business of letting players resell stuff and taking a cut of it um anyway we don't have that so you know physical releases are still important from that standpoint Yes. And I mean, there will be a physical version of this game. It's just you'll have to import it from Japan if you want to get it. And I think the people who want to do the preservation work probably won't have any issue doing that. It just makes it less convenient. I just think it's 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 the unfortunate reality that we were always barreling toward. That like more and more releases, especially like this, that aren't like quote unquote mainline games, even though this is by all accounts a Sounds like at least a fairly meaty Yakuza-style campaign, if not a full, you know, however many dozens of hours game. Like, this stuff was always going to be the first stuff they started making those kinds of moves with. Like, stuff like Remedy, where, you know, it's an independent developer, and, you know, I think, I'm sure Alan Wake 2 will be a big game, but, you know, if they're, if it just makes more financial sense for them to do it, this is where we're going to start seeing this, and it's not going to be long before the major publishers start being like, well... Yeah. More people download Call of Duty than buy in the store, so I don't know. Or, or it'll be um, prestige editions, or or mm-hmm. uh, like super deluxe editions that have a physical. Like copy. you can only buy the hundred twenty dollar yep. version in stores. Yeah, yeah, like a disc. The, the physical edition. It, I mean, we've seen that for some releases, right? Or like, oh, it's a physical edition of the game, and like that's the collector's edition that costs ninety dollars or something. So even even those increasingly at a disturbing rate are no longer coming with discs are no longer coming right. with copies of the game. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> like the $150 version is a bunch of trinkets and a code. Yeah. You want to, you, so some bullshit that is not video games, but is adjacent to what we're talking about here. Uh, Disney is putting out a physical release of that WandaVision you show did in a steel book. I just want to say, yes, yeah. but it's for you. It's okay. only for you guys. Okay. Uh, that is literally just a steel box with a download code. Ah! In it. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? Wait, I mean, video games have done that, so I, I can't, I can't. Act and I, that shoot. sucked then yeah, too. Yeah, it sucked then too. But like, is that so? Is that one of those things where like you just want to have it on your shelf? I think so. It's for collectors who want their like complete Mar- MCU yeah. shelf or whatever. But also, that is fucking pathetic. Yeah. That is a pathetic thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Also, kind of rotten for, like, you know, uh, look, there are some bastions of physical media left. I feel like you, uh, you know, your heart is still in the movie physical media uh, space, at least, if if you've gone all digital in games. Yeah. I just, I, I just think that it's like, if this is the thing we're barreling toward, why are you just manufacturing <laughs> cases to sell in stores that is that's the worst part of physical collecting is all the plastic and metal waste yeah Yeah. all right uh that is like a dragon uh uh, digital only in the west uh just sorry like a dragon guy den Mm. uh brad you mentioned jedi survivor uh uh, yes what's up with this story here of a jedi survivor a game 
that came out what April? April? April. 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 Oh, so seven years ago. <laughs> yeah. Got it. All right. Yes. Uh, the game that came out in April on PS5, Series X, and PC and struggled to run smoothly on all of them? Yeah, well, okay, uh, look, on the console, it wasn't that bad. PC got some rough business, though. <laughs> it's pretty, it was pretty bad on the console as well. Now it's coming to PS4 and Xbox One, according oh. to Andrew Wilson, the CEO of EA, mm-hmm. uh, in an earnings call. I guess he would know. <laughs> um, well, it's like it's. Uh, I think it's unclear at what state this port or like at what point in the process this porting effort is. Thanks to the strength of this legendary franchise and community demand, our development team has committed to bringing this Jedi experience to PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. What is wrong with it? Why, why can't he make a normal sentence? What is it? Because he's an android. Because <laughs> Andrew Wilson is literally See, a fucking robot in a suit. Look, we, we, look I've, I've seen GPT-4 and shit. Like, it's gotten better. Like, we, they, he, can, he can string a better... This is, this is some... The, the large language model on Andrew needs to be updated to know what yeah. the next word is supposed to be when it goes to search a database. And the next word after Jedi is not experience. <laughs> like, it's just... It's, you could have found a better Everything's word. Everything's an experience now, man. Oh, That's all man. it is. Aren't, aren't we all just get. seeking a Jedi experience at the end of the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes, I want to be satisfied with my Jedi experience. Good lord. How do you know if you're satisfied with your Jedi experience? I, you can't. It's impossible. It's, it's really impossible. I guess if it runs at 30, <laughs> then I know if I'm satisfied. Um, yeah. Okay. Sure. Yes. If you read between the lines on this, it really just sounds like we got enough complaints on our forums, so we took some low-level employees and shoved them into a room and said, all right, make these run on these consoles, which sounds like just the worst fucking thing in the world, and I'm sorry for them. That's yeah, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, sorry. maybe they did not hit whatever sales target they thought for, like, a Star Wars game mm-hmm. and thinking, like, oh, you know, there's so many people on these old consoles still that it's maybe still worth it. Oh, what if this is, like, bonus related? Like, a make like good? they have to hit a target or something in order to hit a bonus oh. level or something. I bet that game did great. I mean, I'm sure it yeah, did fine. I think it, yeah. I think it did. Let me see if I have any press releases about uh, that. Yeah. Like, how many, like, just totally next-gen only games really even are there? There are very few right mm-hmm. now. Still, still not that many, yeah. Um, I mean, it's PC as well. Again, the PC port or the PC port, sorry, the PC release uh, mm-hmm. was probably the most troubled, right? Like in terms of yeah. performance. It had some problems. Um, um, yeah, probably. Um, this kind of reads like they've just pivoted and decided to do this late in the game, but maybe they actually planned for this all along and just didn't put the resources into it until now. Hard to say. I mean, they are saying our development team, so maybe they're not farming it out, though. Um, maybe they also just have a light release calendar in the in the kind of next six to eight months or whatever and they're like yeah this will be this will be a big enough release like well i mean i think when we were talking about ea we were specifically just yeah. like what do they still put out right. anymore that is not star wars and sports and apex and the occasional battlefield thing yeah yeah i would this is probably not going to be respawn doing this right I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah, there's a lot of respawn, so it could be any number of different facets of respawn that's working on this. I could definitely see support studios helping with this. I'm just curious to see how it comes out. Yeah, honestly, want to see those load times. Uh, all right, that's Jedi Survivor coming to a last gen near you in the not clear future. Uh, Brad, you said you put this one on here for me and I appreciate Mm -hmm. it, um, because nobody talks about those Transformers games enough and they were pretty good. They were pretty good games. No comment from anyone. Which one? one? The, the, 
Well, you think you think the I play for Cybertron, Fall of Cybertron? Oh, those are great. I love. Those. Okay, great. Thank you, yeah, Jordan. They're, great games. Yeah. they're probably like some of the top Transformers media. Period. Yeah. Well, you mean like better than like the cartoons and yeah? Look, if you look at really the well, whole expanse of, them, yeah. of it, yeah, they're good games. Uh, they they have done toys off of those. They have done uh, uh, you know related universe media off of those. Uh, specifically talking about the toys. Uh, Brad, do you mind if I go and just kind of say what this story is? Go for uh, it. I just, I just, I've been trying to think of a 40 sounding headline through this whole news thing, and I finally got it. The curse of the disappearing Transformers games. Go ahead. So, uh, apparently, in an interview with TFW 2005, which is uh, a website I go to a lot for uh, checking on the status of Masterpiece Transformer releases and third party Transformer releases, I use their, their boards a lot. Can I, I'm sorry, can I jump in and ask what the 2005 signifies? You know, it's probably, I don't know. I feel like I looked this up at some point. It Maybe it's when it launched, or that, maybe it's when like a community split happened, okay. which is maybe how those things go, you know? My my mm-hmm. first thought when I saw it was like, are, is, are they saying that's the last time Transformers was good? Like, is that because that's right before the Bay stuff started? Oh. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, uh, in this interview with Transformers World 2005, um, they were saying, uh, that it'd be awesome if we could bring these, uh, uh, Hasbro could bring these games over to, uh, game pass and all this, uh, uh modern consoles, let's say to be playable, but that's not going to happen because Activision lost the code, uh, in this interview is what is what was stated, uh, by, by Hasbro basically to TFW since then Hasbro or sorry, Activision has come and said, whoa, 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 whoa. We did not lose the code. This is wrong. They have contacted, uh, it sounds like numerous outlets to be like, this is put out numerous statements to be like, this is not true. Took a little bit for them to come back, you know, and, and and maybe look through some files or some, some hard drives. I don't know, Brad, do you think they lost the code? Entirely possible that it's actually still gone. I'm going to say, I'm not going to say I disbelieve them. I'm going to say the actual truth is unknowable here because everything about this reads as oh my god somebody at this company said something they absolutely should not have said <laughs> yes. that painted our business partner in a bad light and we've got to clean this up immediately also oh, maybe, yeah also maybe that person's getting fired i don't know how high up they were <laughs> the person I, who said that but it, i can it, say right just as someone who has been in these kinds of meetings about video game things i guarantee you there was a conversation that was had with someone at hasbro when they were talking about hey what if we remastered those video games and, and i bet what was said was we could do that. We need. We don't have. We don't know yeah. exactly where the code for these games is, and we would have to like. We would need some money and some time to figure out like whether that's feasible or not. And this person took it as we lost the code because yeah. I guarantee you, if they do still have the code for those games, I bet they're on a hard drive somewhere, and I bet they don't know the exact location of that hard drive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll take it a step further because the quote from Hasbro was like, when a company eats a company that eats a company, things get lost. And that's frustrating. Right. So I assume like that person was probably talking to maybe even uh, somebody who was involved in the games. Like, dude, I don't know where that shit is like that. That shit's in a warehouse. Somewhere. Warehouse. I couldn't tell yeah, you where. Totally. Right. Those hard yeah. drives are somewhere else. It's, an, it's entirely possible. Activision still has all the assets. It's also entirely possible. They know where they are. They may not know where they are. Yeah. I guess what I'm really saying is that these follow-up statements have no truth value of their own. It, it very much just feels like saving face. Or, or, oh, it's massive ass covering. Or, totally. Or, you know, again, further on this, uh, in that interview, they said, um, 
you know, because they said there were toys made off of of the War for Cybertron yeah, and Cybertron like we series. Should, we should mention that they also say they had to straight up yeah. pull designs out of playing through old games because uh, because Activision couldn't find the assets they needed to send them over. Which which again, it could be that's the impetus for this whole thing. If somebody was like, "Hey, can you send over the raw models?" and somebody was like, "I can't find that stuff. I don't know where that is," and that was like, "Oh, they don't have it," versus somebody just being like. It's not worth the time to go get that stuff for this. Oh yeah! Thing. If you think a company is bad about keeping track of source code, imagine what they they have with like concept art and <laughs> right. like character model art and stuff like that. Shit is shoved so far into the back of everything that of course they don't know where that is. So they have come out again, come out very hard and said that's not the case. And Alex, to your point of somebody getting a message inside of Hasbro. A very frantic text, yes. Yeah, apparently Totillo got a response from Activision pointing him towards a comment from Hasbro, and the Hasbro comment says, uh, to clarify, comments that suggest Transformers games have been lost were made in error. We apologize to Activision and regret any confusion, as they've been great partners, and uh, we look forward to future opportunities to work together. Mm -hmm. Which definitely sounds like, go on, keep talking. Uh, they're also, uh, uh, they smell really good. And uh, they're they're very tall. I don't know. Go on. <laughs> happy about this merger. Very so happy for that. Uh -huh. so, so happy. Everything's great. Everything's fine. How's about you? <laughs> like very well, so, okay. Under here's the thing. I'm yeah. I'm trying to piece together here is that the thing that's that's kind of shocking to me is just how quickly Hasbro towed the line on that one and how quickly they folded on it because it's like. I would have thought Hasbro would have been the dominant in that partnership, you know? Like, I would have thought Hasbro, considering they're the license holder for all things Transformers, uh -huh. would be the ones to say, hey, like, we don't have to run, run out and, like, prostrate ourselves <laughs> for the sake of you guys saving face on these games that you can't locate for us. Oh, man. Like, I how many toys is Hasbro making for Activision licensed stuff at this point? I bet there's more than... Okay. I want, okay, they make, I don't know who makes them, but they make, someone makes Call of Duty toys. Yeah. It could be Hasbro. I don't know. If it's them, then okay, I understand yeah, that. I don't know if that's what's happening. Um, I mean, could my, Activision now being Microsoft also? It could also be that them being could like, be part of it as well. Um, how, they, how they beat the U.S. government? <laughs> yeah. It could also be Activision and somebody from Microsoft being like, you guys need to work this out. Or maybe maybe Phil Spencer's like calling up Activision, and be like, "I heard you guys don't have the Transformers code. This changes everything. We're canceling the deal." <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me this. I I thought we were getting Transformers. Uh, so it, it may I don't know. I don't know. Like, look, those games are very popular. I think they're cool. Yes, it'd be they're great. I would love to play them again. Yeah. There's that new one coming out, like from Splash Damage yes, or something. Yes. Uh, that is, what is that? Oh, right. Yes. It's like that yes. weird, realistic, gritty. I don't know. Was that, is that like a four player co op? Transformers like, Reactivate? Yes. I completely yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Keep forgetting about it. I, have they shown it? Like, I know they, they showed that trailer, but I couldn't, it was hard to tell if any of that was actual game or just CG. I think that was the last time they showed it, was when they showed that off. Yeah, there's nothing new on the website yet. Ah. <sighs> Transformers. It's more than meets the story. Them. More than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. They just need to go on. They need to just to prove their leadership, and then the code will reveal itself to them. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Uh, somewhere, Bobby Kotick is oops, ripping open his chest. <laughs> the 
code what code is inside there. I don't know if there's something in there. I don't know if <laughs> I'll take a source code it's more like sulfur and brimstone. Yeah, he thinks he can he thinks he can pull one over on Unicron. It's not gonna work out well. There's people being like, Bobby, how are you still alive? You just tore up in your ribcage. Don't ask those kind of questions. Anyway, reach in there and grab the hard drive. Oh god, to have Bobby. A skull in there? <laughs> it's just soul screaming in there, Bobby. I don't wanna I don't wanna reach in there. <laughs> reach in there and grab the code. It's where I put everything important. Oh, the pitfall chapter was fun. Got to talk about the history of Activision. Oh boy. Where they've gone from there until now. It's, it's so, it's, I'm sure it must have been a trip for you. Like, it's so weird thinking about the pre-Bobby Kotick Activision because it was yeah. totally different company. Yeah. But they are such a specter now <laughs> thinking about, oh, they were kind of like cool, scrappy rebels back then before everything changed. Yep, that's history of video games. Did you get much acclaim in there? Was acclaim uh, mentioned in the video games of all time? No. Wow. Didn't even hit the chart. It. I don't think they had that many nope. all-time games. <laughs> Nobody is the picked Torok for for anything. <laughs> I just I just listened to a very long interview with Trip Hawkins of all people, who was talking about how Acclaim had kind of like most favored partner status on the NES. Okay, somehow like they okay. got to put out a ton more games than everybody else. I can see. I feel like I have saw a lot of Acclaim logos back when Nintendo limited how many games you could put out. Also, boy, that interview with Trip Hawkins. That man has an ego. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, yeah, it was impressive. Cool anyway. name though. Uh, that's going to do it for the news, by the way, maybe a new switch. It's pretty big news. Pretty big news. Uh, also pretty big news is that, uh, on the watch cast end of things, uh, well, I'll say also pretty big news is that we have a, we have a podcast with emails, but we're not, we're not going to do any emails this week, but if you want to send them in, we to remind you that's podcast at nextlender.com podcast at nextlender.com. But what I was going to say about the Watchcast, going back to big news, we have finished season one of Twin Peaks. Yes, um, we have. You can kind of hear our thoughts on the season and on the season finale, which is, Jordan, have you seen Twin Peaks? Uh, not the whole thing. Okay. Just, um, enough to understand some memes. It's uh, <laughs> good. <laughs> I feel like I'm- That's all you really yeah, need. I feel like I'm there with you now. Um, we, we watched the entire season. We had our, our season finale uh, watch cast. A lot of fun. You should go check that out. Next week, we are transitioning over to anime and starting with Serial Experiments Lane. Is that right? Yes. Okay. That is the that is the correct full name of it. Lots of people just call it Lane, Lane. but that is the full name. We have watched the first three episodes. Uh, things things are heating up in, in Lane. Uh, I have no idea where things are going, and you can hear me say as much in the in the recording of that watchcast. I think you will have that response through a lot of what's going on here. Okay, but I'm very curious and, and so far very into it. So uh, you can hear all of our thoughts there over at Patreon.com/slash/NextLander, where we have things like the watchcast up. Uh, we also recorded Never Been a Better podcast. I'm working on that. Uh, this week that should be up at the end of the week. You can hear Dan Reichert's uh, platform for a better uh, America. Uh, it involves, I think, I think Alex, it involves getting rid of all the bees. Uh, it involves getting rid of all the bees, but it also includes open borders. So who can say whether it's a good platform? <laughs> yeah. or a bad we're, one? we're almost there on the bees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe not that far away. Uh, so you can hear his his platform over. I've never been a better podcast. Hopefully. Uh, coming up this Friday over on uh, the Patreon. Also on the Patreon, that's patreon.com slash nextlander. 
bunch of different tiers there. One tier is the Mysterious Benefactors tier. We talked a lot about uh, uh, Mass Effect over on the Ramblecast this week. And our Mysterious Benefactors over on our Patreon get their names read on this here podcast. And I am going to do the honors of reading Mysterious Benefactors here. Starting with Ryan Waterman, RRE, John Richardson, Vornak, Kelly F., Brian Lucier, Skywarp, John Hubbard, Sean Miller, Evan Cook, Mark Wilhelm, Jerry Lee, Deidre is rolling for initiative, Gary Pejke, Robert Fisher, John McInnes, Bunny Fiend, Peter Reardon, Thomas Lynn, Jad Rita, Statics, Andrew Jackson, Mega Crane, Razgriz 2, Brian Murphy, Randy Duax, Andrew Tiebkin, Alex Wu, It's Me JP, Matt Clements Jr., Edward Chick, Andrew Slosky, Steve Lynn, Matthew Herrig, David Campos, and Tyler Treese. Those are our mysterious benefactors for this week. And thanks again to everyone who has gone over to patreon.com slash nextlander to support us. We, of course, appreciate it. Oof. It's a good list. Brad was so scared of our mysterious benefactors, he had to run out of the room. I thought I heard his doorbell. I think it was his doorbell. Uh, that's going to do it for the podcast this week. Jordan Miner. Yes. You've got a book. Got a, I do. Got a dang book out. Yes, it's called Video Game of the Year. It's out now, wherever books are sold. Uh, I'm very happy with how this book turned out. I'm very proud of it. Um, I think I'm, I'm very happy with how my writing is. I'm very pleased with the contributors in it. Um, Alex, thank you again for being in the book. Thank you for having me. I really, it was, it was a nice thing to be offered and I was happy to do it. Uh, again, the artwork, phenomenal. If you don't know anything about mm-hmm. games, I think it's a really great way to get a good overview of, again, like almost 50 years at this point. I think if you were someone who loves games a whole lot, you will appreciate the kind of more in-depth criticism of a lot of different games and some like from some more, even like less like known picks from the contributors. That's that's where things that's where you have your mainstream kind of split is the main chapters are more mainstream. And then the contributors got to go more buck wild with, you know, pixel junk AM and Jurassic Park from 93 or something. <laughs> um, so again, w- between all that stuff, again, if you can't even read, I think the art alone is worth looking at and buying in this book for. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that I think that this is one of the best video game books out there and I hope people check it out. You would say that. Should say that. You should. Yeah. You should say that. Uh, I've been saying it a lot these past three weeks. <laughs> Are you at the tail end of the of the book tour? Oh, uh, you know this first part of it, but I'm ta- I'll, be, I'll be talking about this book forever. It won't. It'll exist. It will know, for months and months, and people can buy it whenever they want. Years, even years, De- years, decades. As long as there are books, <laughs> this book of me, and you never know. Maybe you got to go back in there and punch it up for 2023. Uh, mm-hmm. See where we're And if uh, I'll say this, all those speed freak fans out there, you're going to be real happy for Hot Rod That's, of the Year. D- you might want to clarify that statement very so slightly. <laughs> I'll just, say, just like a smidge. I'll, I'll say it again. Speed Freak fans, you're going to want to turn to page 22 and see what's going on over there. There's a little surprise in there for you. Uh, Jordan Miner, thank you so much for coming on and uh, uh, sharing with us not only your book, but your time. Yeah, I had a great time. Uh, again, I've been fans of you guys for, for a long, long time. 
Uh, so being able to do this has been a real personal uh, satisfaction. Now I know that I'm satisfied because I was able to do this. <laughs> oh no! Does that mean you're going to stop listening? <laughs> you're you're, you're done. Yeah, you're, you're you're satisfied. You put it down. Well, thanks again, Jordan, and good to see you. It's been it's been a bit. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for our podcast. Like I said, we got the watchcast uh, from this week with the season finale up. We played more Remnant Two. We're going to have a grab bag. Uh, coming up this week and then uh, we'll be back again streaming on Friday uh, along with Never Been a Better Podcast hopefully on Friday as well and the Ramblecast all that good stuff thank you Alex Navarro thank you thank you Brad Shoemaker thank you thank you Jordan thanks and we'll be back next week <laughs>